Hey, ebook readers, right now, the Flight Attendant Joe series ebooks are only $2.99. That's Fasten Your Seatbelts and Eat Your Fucking Nuts, Flight Attendant Joe, and I'm Just Here for the Layovers on Amazon, iTunes, Nook, and Kobo, $2.99 each. Hey, everybody, if you enjoy listening to Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe, now is your chance to become a patron of the podcast. Go check out www.patreon.com slash grounded with flight attendant Joe. There's different tiered levels and each of one of them comes with something special and unique, including the Friday debrief, which is a short podcast episode that I record on Friday mornings, just me and my coffee. And it's only available on the Patreon page for patrons. So again, check that out. www.patreon.com slash grounded with flight attendant Joe. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 43 of the Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe podcast. I don't even know what I'm going to say. What I was going to say was, I hope you wonderful human beings are having a great summer and you're just taking care and taking it easy, you know, wearing a mask when you're out in public. I bet you're sick and tired of hearing that. Listen, I'm sick and tired of wearing one myself, but you do what you got to do to make other people feel comfortable. Kindness, something that we seem to have forgotten. But we're going to talk about it today on my episode. Now, you know, I've had 42 incredible conversations with amazing human beings, human beings. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing and laughing uncontrollably. It was very hard for me to be professional in the first half of this episode because today I have a puppet on the show. I'm very excited. Today, Captain Roger Victor from Speed Tape Airlines is here to talk to me. It's a two-part episode. The first half is with Roger Victor. The second half is with his, I'm going to call him handler, Bozo, who spends all of his time with his hand up Roger's ass. I don't know. Don't ask me. Um, We talked about what it's like being a puppet pilot. Dealing with social media trolls, biggest challenges of flying an airplane when you don't have legs, and what he would do if he couldn't be a pilot anymore. Then on the second half, I chatted with Bozo, and we talked about how he started in puppetry, and the first puppet he was given when he lived overseas at the age of 10 or 11, and the differences of the personality between him and Roger. We also chatted about kindness and just being good to one another. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Captain Roger Victor and Bozo to the show. I love this. <laughs> oh. Hi, everyone. It's, uh, it's four in the morning, and I just got back to my hotel room. What was I doing till now? I was in the simulator at Recurrent. Guess who got the midnight slot? Yep, me. Why? I have to jet lag myself just so I could pass Recurrent. Gotta sleep in the daytime. I have the Do Not Disturb sign on. But those housekeepers. Housekeeping. Housekeeping. The sign's fucking on the door. Leave me alone. I have to go fly a plane in a box at 12 midnight. (laughs) Everybody, welcome Captain Roger Victor to Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe. I'm so excited. Welcome, Roger. Uh, Thanks for having me, Joe. It's uh, (laughs) nice to be here. 
Now, do you remember that experience when you were at Recurrent and the housekeepers kept knocking on the door? How do you, how did you oh get, God. how did you get stuck with the midnight sim? I don't get it. They hate me, Joe. That's how they hate me. <laughs> the schedule department, the training department, they have it out for me. I swear to God. That's how it happened. They do. They do. They obviously every hate time, you. every time. I don't. I don't get it. I mean, I bid for things, and you can. I mean, my senior. I'm the number one pilot at my company. I'm the only pilot. You think it's easy to get the slot you want, but no, midnight or two a.m. every time. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You are the only pilot, and you get the worst. Is that the only slot they have? Is that the truth? They don't respect seniority. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously. Man. Now, how long have you been with Speed Tape Airlines? I've been with Speed Tape Airlines about thirty-six years now. My God! Now, <laughs> um, it's yes, I, I've, I've I did some. You know, I just want you to know that I stalk all my guests before they come on oh. the show. So I didn't see okay. any. You know, I try to find some dirty pictures of you, but they're not out there. No, Bernard has all. <laughs> Bernard. Now, who is Bernard? Yeah, he, he Who's Bernard? Bernard is our lead purser. Oh, okay. Lead flight attendant. Yeah, that's who he is. And he has he, all, he has all your dirty pictures. And I his. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to get through this conversation, Roger. I'm never going to get through nope. this conversation. Oh, Don't tell goodness. him I'm so happy. I was supposed to delete those. Well, but, you know. Now that you brought up Bernard, I, I did see some videos that you've taken or Bernard has posted on social media, and he looks like he's been flying for a very, very, very long time. He bounces between government and flying. What, what he does. Why government? What do you mean by government? What does he do in the government? Well, he's, uh, he represents people. Bernard, uh, <laughs> you know, his last name is Bernard Sanders. That's his last name. Oh, you know what? Yeah. Now it all makes sense because when I see there him, you he, go. all right, Bernard Sanders yeah. represents all the people. Yeah, actually, I think his real last name is Bernard Sanderson. That's his, that's his firm name okay. right there. Yeah. And you've been flying yeah. with him for at least 36 years because he looks like he's been flying since oh, God. the Orwell Brothers. Is it the, no, it's I not the Orwell. Is it the Orwell? Least... No, Orville. 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 You shall not speak their name in vain. I don't know why yes, I said sir. Orwell. Maybe I'm thinking of that cheat, that book, 1984. Go ahead. I didn't Orwell? mean to disrespect you. This yeah. whole period Orwellian. Yes. Are we it's living terrible. in that right now? We're in that right now. A little bit. I live in a briefcase. Not a briefcase, a backpack. <laughs> well, I've seen, I saw a video recently where you're kept like in a table. Is this true or no? A table? Yeah, like, like. Someone else kept the table. No, maybe it was someone else. Maybe there's someone else out there who um, is imitating you or something. I don't know why I thought it was a table. Perhaps. I, 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 you know, he, I've been kept in a backpack. I've been kept in a rollerboard. I've been kept on the top shelf of a closet. I've even been kept in a box, a cardboard box. You've been kept. He has in, no respect for me. That now, who who are you talking about when you say he? The guy, I'm a bozo right here. The now, let me ask you this because I don't want to. Shaking his head, but he knows it's true. Listen, I don't want to talk to him right now. I really want to focus on you. Now, no one likes you. <laughs> Not you, Joe. I'm talking to bozo. Oh well, nobody probably likes me either. But um, now, let me you ask like you this. And this, th this is going to be a really personal question. Thank you. This is going to be personal. But 
What is it like walking around with someone's hand up your butt all day long? Very tight. <laughs> Very tight. <no. laughs> well, it shouldn't, be, it, it shouldn't be tight after yeah. all 36 years. Wait a minute. 36 years. Yeah. He's that, up in there. He's all up in there. You ever hear that phrase? I'm going to shove my hand so far up your ass. It's going to come out your mouth. That's literally my life every day. Do you ever think, Every day. do you ever dream or fantasize about when you don't have to hang around the guy anymore and you can just live your own life? One day I'm going to wish upon a star and listen to my Jiminy Cricket and I will become a real boy. But until then, this is what I got. Well, I'm before I go to bed tonight, I'm going to pray to the universe that you wake up tomorrow with legs because you don't even have legs. We don't discuss that. <laughs> It's true, but we don't discuss it. <laughs> well, how do you reach? I, I have so many questions, and I'm trying not to laugh through this. I, whole have, I have my ways. They're, they're trade secrets, Joe. So you can touch I the pedals? You, you're able to touch the pedals when you're flying? I, can man, I will use the word manipulate. Okay. I can manipulate the pedals. Do you drive a car or just fly airplanes? I just fly planes. I do. Because I can't get a good picture of the DMV, never get the right angles. I keep getting into fights with them, so it just it's never happened. Also, when I took the driving test, I kept saying clear left, and the lady never said clear right. So I yelled at her that she wasn't doing proper CRM. And I failed my driving test. She doesn't know. She probably doesn't know what CRM is. Have you the driver's license she people? They do not know anything about communication. They do. They they no. have not been trained in communication. And what the heck's a blinker? I do clearing turns, okay? I don't blink. I don't use my, what do they call it, an indicator, turn indicator. I just I just do a clearing turn, and then I go. Well, because indicating you, fl you fly airplanes. Now, may I ask what airplane you fly? Yeah, I fly the Embraer 145 Jumbo Jet. <laughs> now, listen, I, I'm, I a you laughing, I'm a retired flight attendant, and I don't know what that is. So... <laughs> You don't know what it is. It's a jumbo. Have How you many? Heard of Embraer? I have heard. Of, I've actually worked on an Embraer 190, but it was not a jumbo. It was a very teeny weeny plane. We used to call it the Barbie jet. 190. Well, 190 is kind of like the Barbie jet. I think the CRJ 200 is the true Barbie jet. Oh. The Embraer 145 is a jewel. She's a diamond in the rough. She's not appreciated, underpowered, underserviced, undermaintained. But she could be everything. She's everything to you. And do you, how many yeah. seats are on that plane? Uh, well, most operators put 50. We managed to squeeze 81. And then, I'm sorry. I'm not going to be professional tonight. You're laughing at me again, uh, Joe. Okay, okay listen, let me, let me, <laughs> let me correct. I am not laughing at you. I am laughing with you. And that is it. My love for you is like, if I worked with you, I would buy you your coffee. I wouldn't expect you to buy me coffee. <laughs> well, thank you. I now, can't reach the Starbucks camera. Do you buy, do you buy Bernard his coffee or do you just give him the money so he could run or does he not have legs either? Oh, Bernard? Yeah. If I gave Bernard money, he'd probably buy coffee for the entire airplane. <laughs> Which is, is cool and weird because we have coffee for the entire airplane anyway. Right. So why are we buying coffee? That's, oh my God. Because it's the right thing to do, damn it. It is. You know, it's I've. Not, also, 
Have you ever have you ever had coffee in those carafes, or did you make yours like fresh every flight? Um. Well, we would make it fresh in the pot, and then we would pour it into the carafe, and then we would take it out into the aisle and serve it to the passengers. Okay. Be, be truthful now, Joe. Okay, yeah. How absolutely. often did you swap that coffee out per day? Um, okay, not per. Okay, so it's more like per flight. So if it was a six hour flight, I would uh, make, I brew it when we left, and then I would do service. And then halfway through the flight, I would brew a new pot because there's always, uh-huh. that, always that one person halfway through the flight that's like, can I have a coffee? And I'm like, I can't serve them this. It's like sludge. And then, so I would make a fresh <laughs> pot. And then before our last service, before we landed, um, I would make a, another pot. So I usually on a transcontinental flight, I made coffee three times. So for us, we will brew coffee once per four day. <laughs> and if we run out, we will get more because the coffee heats up again in the carafe. So after about running about 30 minutes of flying, it'll be warm enough and we'll serve it to everybody. Cost savings, Joe. So that's, what we're, that's what we're all about here at Speed Tape Airlines. Cost well, savings, bottom line. It makes sense because they only have one pilot and one flight attendant. So this makes, this makes absolute sense. Now, please... <laughs> Please correct me if I, I, I might've heard this wrong, but you, you guys make one pot when the four day starts and then you use that same pot for all four days. We fill the carafe, right? Okay. We serve what we can. If it gets empty, we'll make a new one and we'll keep that as long as we can until it gets empty again. So if it takes one, two, three flights, we will do it. On the overnights, we're supposed to clean the pot, but who has time for that? Now, do you, um, excuse me, do you, do you drink water? Do you bring water with you off the I, flight? I don't know. Well, would you like Dasani? Like whatever you're, what, what, what kind of water does Speed Tape have? Tap water. So here's, here's, here's what we do. You know, you serve people bottled water, right? You do that for the first leg of the trip. They get bottled water. Then they, they give that, they give back the bottle in the little bags that go for recycling, right? Okay, okay. We are so efficient in our recycling. We will recycle those bottles then and there. We go at the next stop to the bathroom at the airport. We fill up those bottles again with tap water, and we serve them again. Oh recycling. Oh. Efficiency. It makes environment. sense. Now, do you, do you, I can't be, I'm sorry. Do you wipe off the um, mouthpiece, or no, it's, that's just taking too much time? Of course we do. Well, I don't COVID. know. Well... <laughs> I mean, you're using one pot of coffee for a four day and you're recycling water bottles with tap water, <clears throat> excuse me, from the airport. How do I know how sanitary you guys are over there? I think everyone needs to enter an aircraft assuming it's the most filthiest thing they've ever touched. Agreed. It's on them. They know what they're getting into. Do you want to know they what else? They choose to ignore it, but they know. Do you want to know what else is filthy besides you and I? Um... When I, was, when, I, when I was 16 years old, I worked for McDonald's and they don't clean the shake machines and the orange juice filters as much as they should. Um, I don't know if it's changed in 31 years, but I just remember Joe. don't order milkshakes yeah. or orange juice from McDonald's, Roger. I'm telling you right now. Uh, why are you ruining my life? Because, uh. yeah, don't do it. Don't do it. It's, it's pretty. I'm on a regional pilot salary. All I can afford is McDonald's milkshakes. Now, speaking of of salary, I saw you do a video. You made a video regarding pilots um, and income and like, excuse me, 
where just because they tell you $95,000 a year is what you're going to get, it's really not. And you talk about per diem. How, working at this airline for so long, how does how does that affect your pay? Are you paid well after 36 years or no? Uh, let's see. Enough. Enough? Like, like it's enough that I can look back and be like, man, how did I survive on that? And now it's like, wow, I can go out and I can buy myself maybe a Red Lobster dinner if I want to once a month. Oh, that's nice. That, that, that good? Well, I don't you, know if that's good. That's, well, I mean, Red Lobster, they have great biscuits. <laughs> They do have great biscuits, and you could take, take as many as you want, and then you put them in your little like luggage works lunchbox, uh-huh. and you keep them. But they get foggy after a while, so you have to eat them within two days. But you got to you know, take as many as you can now, on a trip. When you go to a restaurant, are you able to sit in a chair, or do you have to sit in a booster seat like a child? Booster seat. I'm Thank sorry. you very much. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Maybe, maybe that's what you is well, that what you use? Is that my what you shirt use? Time? My shirt size is a 2T, okay? I wear a toddler's 2T as a shirt size. What do you think? That's what it is. You know, I, I've worked with pilots that have a mentality of a 2T, so this makes sense to me, and I totally get it. I it totally, does fit. It, I totally get it. It fits physically, and it fits metaphorically. You're, you're right. Yes. Now, with your yeah. salary, do you buy yourself new suitcases, or does the guy have to buy them for you? No, the guy gets them. Oh, that's nice. Does he help? Do you get to pick it out or does he have all the control? Because this doesn't sound No, he has, he's had one that he's had for 10 years now. What? Yeah, I want a new model of air conditioning. He ain't getting it. I mean, you need air conditioning. It's just ridiculous. I do. I'm stuck in there with all this dirty laundry. Well, when you take your hat off, your hair is just all over the place sometimes. You really need to not be sweating and humid all the time. Yeah, I'm going to talk to him that's- later, I think, and I'm going to try to push for you to get a new suitcase. I need product for my hair. Ask him, please. He never combs my hair, never takes off my hat. Something about impressing Delta pilots or something like that. I don't know. Um, Hats always on. Does, would you like to, would you like to, I know in your videos, you um, talk about mainline airlines. Would you like to eventually transition over from speed tape to like Delta or American or JetBlue or one of those? Oh God. Yeah. Which one would be your dream? What? Any one of them. Any one of them? Mainline. Mainline is the dream at the end of the long road. We suffer for mainline. We put up with all the crap for mainline because it's all going to be better there, I tell you. They have no problems at all. (laughs) Everyone's happy at mainline. Listen, 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 listen. I'm going to bust your bubble for a minute, Roger. And I'm going to tell you that- the mainline airlines are fucked up. So I'm sorry. I don't believe it. I'm sorry. I didn't, no, um, I can't. Yes, yes, yes. They're all a train wreck. They don't know what they're doing. I don't know how they've lasted 80 plus years because they don't. Oh my gosh. Some of them don't even know how to get to airplanes out on time. Oh no! Yeah, now, everything's on planet mainline. Yeah. Now, do you the speed uh-huh. is speed tape an on time airline or no? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's hilarious just saying it. On time needs money and effort and people who care. <laughs> Where you suck? No, no, no. 
No. Are you? No. Uh, are, are, are you guys using? I, I can't even say it. Are you guys unionized or no? Not officially. Not officially. We are the underground union. For I am a pilot group of one and a half. Who's the half? I got an FO named Jeff. Oh, but, uh, okay. Yeah, but he's, he's on a contract basis. And he's a half? You, you consider him a half? Yeah, because, you know, he's not, he's not a voting member. He's on probation. So, you know, I'm still ranking union member. I'm, I'm our treasurer. I'm everything. So I'm a union of one and, and Jeff, okay. who's a half. All right. All right. That yeah. makes sense. Um, he's really, an FO, so, you know. Well, I mean, come on. They're a dime a dozen. <laughs> I mean. No, FOs are very important. A lot of people can be listening to FOs. I love you, FOs. Thank you very much. Get out of my way. No, I'm kidding. Listen, nothing tastes better than an FO. I mean, I love flying with FOs. Roger, listen, I'm, I don't know if you know this, but, um, anytime I record after 6 PM, I have alcohol. Uh So I'm already two drinks in. So who knows what's going on? Okay. You are slightly slumped. Well, not yet, but it's coming. It's coming. Um, I I got, I got, I got a little thing here. It is. 80% 80% proof, and it says kills 99% of germs. Oh, well, that should help you with yeah. COVID. That, that's what it's here for. Now, but I have a little cup, and I can try to put that in. And well, I, can, I can pretend and join it. Well, you have a big mouth, though, so don't you need a big cup? And I don't mean you're loud. I mean your mouth is actually kind of big. <laughs> it's huge. It's like a dinner plate folded in half. Uh, now I know why Bernard yeah, likes you so much. Oh, uh, there you go. <laughs> we actually filmed the sequence, never went up online. Oh God. Oh God. Maybe we, maybe we, we can get it out there one day. Um, I gotta, we gotta see if we still have it in the archives. Oh God. Just thinking about it makes me want to cry. <laughs> <laughs> now let's be serious for a minute. Okay, Roger, let's be serious sure. for a minute. And I'm really saying that to myself because I can barely control myself tonight. Um, <laughs> Have you, how have you been doing during this COVID-19 pandemic? Are you flying? Not as much as I'd like. Uh, and when I do fly, it's kind of depressing. I mean, look, I could try to sugarcoat it and make it make fun of it as much as I want. You know, having to wear masks, the airports are not as fun as they used to be, you know. And then you get the people who don't want to wear a mask and you got to tell them to wear a mask and they get all like indignant at you and you're like, look, it's the policy. You're going to wear the mask. Or you're not getting on the plane, right. you know, and then like, but you're a puppet. I'm like, I don't care. I'm still the captain. Get off my plane. You know, you ever try to argue with a passenger when you're a puppet? They don't get it. They don't get it. I'm when, still the final authority. They don't get it when you're not a puppet. So I can no, imagine, I, I can imagine having a big mouth and no legs would even be worse. So I, I'm, I'm, yeah. really, I'm really sorry you have to go through that. That sounds like a lot of bullshit. And I, I want to be the first one to say, I'm really sorry that you have to live in a suitcase that the guy won't buy you a new one. He's a jackass. He sounds like he's a jackass. He, he does sound like a bozo. He's like right here and he's looking at me and I'm saying, you're a jackass. We're going to talk about this later. No, we're not. <laughs> now, now let's go back to COVID. You recently, um, back in, I think it, oh God, I'm sorry with dates. Maybe it was June or um, even before that. You made a video where you were in the airport and you were wearing a mask. You were telling people how important it was. And 
I was going through the comments and people were being kind of nasty about wearing a mask, telling you that you don't know what you're talking about and it's all a hoax and everything. Do you actually read comments that people leave behind for you on social media? Sometimes I do. Bozo does. <laughs> Sometimes I do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, not surprising. I got to say, not surprising the reaction I got. But there's still, you know, for every person who, who comments, there's 20 people who like, like the actual video. So I think the majority get the message and what's going on. Well, the funny part is, as I was making it, there was a guy sitting next to me, didn't have a mask on. As I was making it, put on a mask. So I win. Oh, so while you were actually in the airport making the mask, a guy put one on because you were being loud and talking and making a video. I suppose. I guess that's the reason he didn't have one on when I started. He wasn't like right next to me, but I was loud enough he could hear. And then all of a sudden he put his mask on. So maybe there's one of those guys have like the mask around his chin kind of thing. Right. Yeah, that happens a lot. Did he have a woman? Did, yeah, you, did, he, have, did he have a woman with him? No, okay. no, it's alone. Because I, I, excuse me, I don't know why I keep having to clear my throat. Um, because I've noticed recently when I go out in public, I'll see a woman, because I live in Colorado and it's mandatory to wear a mask wherever you go when you're out in public, restaurants, whatnot. And, mm-hmm. um, I've, I've seen a lot where women are wearing the mask, but the guy has, like, of course he walked in the store with it on, but then he immediately drops it down to his neck. And I don't understand the dynamic. Immediately when I see that, I think, oh, he's beating her because that's oh my God. I know I'm terrible, Roger. I bet you didn't know I was that terrible. But I, I, I immediately think like <laughs> something's wrong here because I know if my husband wasn't wearing a mask, I'd be like, what's wrong with you? Put your mask on. But it seems like there's this guy masculinity right now with dudes who, who think wearing a mask is kind of like, very feminine or something. And I, and I, my brain doesn't, I don't understand that. Do you have any input on that? I, I can't really attribute it to anything much more than toxic, uh, and fragile masculine, you know, masculinity. Yeah. That's all I can, I can attribute it to. I mean, if you're going to be in an establishment inside somewhere, you wear a mask. If you are, if you cannot maintain six feet or more, you know, even 10 feet distance from somebody else, wear a mask. If you're going to be in there, you know, if you're going to be hanging around, wear a mask. It's not hard. It's not difficult. It's not. And I think, uh, who's that governor out in New York? Cuomo? No. That guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So he's like, you know, it's a sign of respect. If you're not doing, you're not respecting other people around you. And I think that's true. I think that's true. Do and I don't think there's anything political about it. No one's trying to brainwash you or control you. I think there's science because if masks didn't work, surgeons wouldn't wear one when they're operating on you. That makes a lot of sense. Plain and simple. Yeah. I'm a reasonable puppet. <laughs> you're very, <laughs> you're a very smart puppet. Um, <laughs> My head is full of fluff. Your head is full of what? Fluff. Fluff. Yes. Well, and, and knowledge, you're very smart. You just mentioned something about lack of respect. Do you think that there's a lack of respect that's just becoming more prevalent in the United States regarding people. I think it's, I don't know if it's a lack of respect or more of a, uh, my way is the way and fuck your way. Yeah. I think it's a lack of respect, but it's, it's more of an emboldenment of people's self, 
uh, of views. And, 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 and as much as we, we might want to throw that on one side in particular, because there's a certain person in a very bland colored house saying lots of things and fuck all the ramifications. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's exactly the reason. That's exactly the reason. So people just copying that kind of behavior saying, yeah, I could do that. I could just be a jackass, say whatever the hell I want, and there'll be no rem- you know, repercussion. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And Change my answer. People don't even seem to be, um, you know, back in the day, I was talking with a friend about this the other day, where... He was, we were talking about how now when you get, when there's like, you know, the term Karen and when people are just videotaped being racist and just being awful human beings, they don't even back away from it anymore. The camera's on and it's almost like, oh good, now I have a audience to show my ignorance to. And, you know, back in the day you'd start recording and people would stop their behavior. And I'm fascinated with that too. Like I was talking with a friend and he said, if I was ever recorded acting like an asshole like that, I would... I would, I would hide and run away forever, but it almost empowers these people to not back down from their, their group. It's amazing. It empowers them within their immediate social group. The problem is their immediate social group is still within that bubble that pretty much the rest of us, when I say the rest of us, I mean humanity. You see, people in this country, and I, and I'm, I, I hate to get this political, but people in this country tend to think that they're the center of the world that America sets the tone for every other one of the hundred com- hundreds of countries out there. And it's really not. No. I mean, don't get me wrong. The U.S. has a lot to offer, and, and it's great, and, and everything else. But if you were to go overseas or live overseas, they view Americans and America much differently than an average American thinks they do. Absolutely. And yeah. I don't understand my colleagues who work in this industry who don't see that. Because we travel all the time. We have the, we have got that luxury that we can go out and we can see us through the lens of another. Many Americans can't travel. We travel all the time. How can we not try to better ourselves? There's a global community out there. We are a part of it, like it or not. We are not the world. We are part of the world. And right now, we are getting further and further away from being part of that world. There you go. And That's my statement on that. Well, I, I brilliant statement. And I agree with everything that you said. And, you know, there's a lot of people in the United States, and I've talked about this on my podcast before, that don't have passports. So they live in this world, or they believe that the United States is the best on the planet. And I live here, I'm born here, I'm a resident, I'm a citizen, I pay taxes, and I love this country. But there's so much we can learn from other countries. And I think you will find, you know, all you have to do is leave yeah. the country, you know, go to another country, absorb that culture, and you will realize like, oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're a wonderful country, but we can learn from other places or I can learn from cultures. I just wrote this on Facebook the other day. I wrote something like, don't run from diversity. I've learned the most valuable life lessons from people who look different than I do. Of course. Different cultures, different backgrounds are going to have different views, different opinions. If you are just looking at a problem from your angle, you will never see how you, okay, let's put it this way. If you are looking at the rainstorm from one angle, you might be missing the rainbow you could see from another. Wow. Okay? Wow. So 
your viewpoint, you just might see the rain cloud and the storm. From the other, you might see a magnificent rainbow. But if you never took the time to listen to that other viewpoint or to try to see something through someone else's lens, you'll never see the beauty. Yeah. Wow. Like yeah. coming from from someone who lives in a suitcase, you know, that's more that's more important to hear <laughs> than some of the things I hear from people that have legs and have blood running through them. So that's pretty incredible. And I and I agree. I you're a pilot and you've been a pilot for a long time. Why do you think, and this is going to transition into another topic that I want to talk about. Um, why do you right. think pilots have this mentality like that? Like the no masks or I'm, I'm not, I, I don't want to pick on pilots because some of my best friends are pilots, but it does seem like pilots are more conservative than flight attendants. Yeah. What do you, th what yes, do you think are. that stems from? I think it stems from the history of pilots in general in the airlines. I mean, you go into the Air Force, come out of the Air Force, and you go into, you know, career flying airliners. That's how the majority of, air, you know, airlines all over the world got started. So you get this cadre of pilots who went through the military, and they get indoctrinated to the military. When you go through the military, there's a certain level of uh, patriotic Kool-Aid, whether it is earned or not earned, that, that you go through. Mm -hmm. And you bring that out with you. And you're told you're one thing. You're told you're the alpha. You're told you're the top, you know, the, the, the top boss. And that's the mentality. And then it, that then attracts similar personalities to the flight deck. Now, lately, I got to say in the last 10 years, or at least from my experience, it's, uh, yeah, the majority are conservative, but the majority are not ultra conservative. Can't say there aren't a few. Right. They're out there. We've done the, we've done the four hour legs with them, you know? Right. Uh, but well, those ultra conservative that's, ones. That's where it's from. Those and, ultra, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, but you know, in the in the back of the aircraft, when you get to the cabin side of it, it the the draw is not like you, you don't get flight attendants who are flight attendants in the military and they come over here. You know, they're coming into it because they want to travel, they want to see the world, so they're already open to new ideas and different things. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's a different different type of personality because you want people who want to work with people who want to cater to passengers from all, all walks. So they got to be a little more open to new ideas right. to do their job. The pilots are like, and again, I don't want to talk for all pilots because again, it's not all pilots, but I, I understand what you're saying. They're more like, this is my plane. This is my cockpit. I'm closing the door and I'm flying my plane. I am in command. You know, which is why when Iceland there just said they're going to fire the flight attendants, have pilots do the cabin service, I laughed and laughed and laughed. <laughs> Who said that? Um, I, um, Iceland Air, I think I said that, right? That they were going to yeah. let all the flight attendants go and let the pilots do the service, and I thought that was hilarious. I thought, oh, that's, that's just... Way to that's, tank your airline. It's never going to happen. No, I think it was just a tactic, a scare tactic. Oh... Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. That makes sense. This but, is what we're going to do unless you agree to the shitty pay we want you to take. Right. What does have the pilots do it? And all of a sudden, you get the pilot you know, up, up in arms because they don't want to do it, so they're not putting pressure on the flight attendants. The flight attendants are like, we don't want to take the pay cut, but we want to keep our job. It's a cutthroat thing. It's really cutthroat. And it really is. And you said, and I like how you brought up about the military for the conservative pilots because. You know, the idea of being open 
minded and seeing the world. You know, when you're in the military, sometimes you actually don't see positive things. Like if you're in the desert in Kuwait or somewhere over there, and all you see is 120 degrees and dirt, you're not going to come back and think, wow, I learned so much about a culture. You're going to think I was over in the pits of, of the planet and it sucked. Yeah, they call it the sandbox. The sandbox. But also the military wants conformity. They don't want individualism. They want conformity. They're going to make you conform to what they want of you. And, um, you know, that's going to have effects on people in different ways. And not everybody coming out who's, on, who's discharged is going to be discharged thinking certain ways. But there is a certain level of conformity there. Right. And the airlines are too. You know, when I worked for the airline, we had the most ridiculous fucking rules. We we had a rule that you could not walk through the airport. You could walk through the airport carrying a, a like a coffee cup, like say you went to Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks. You can walk through the airport carrying it, but you're not allowed to drink it while you're walking through the airport. That was that was that was a rule in our like flight attendant guidelines it's you know you can't be we weren't allowed to we i know it's almost like i worked for um aeroloft the russian airline or something but i did it and we also that's it see i i've already retired i don't even know the name of airlines um but we also had that rule like you couldn't walk through the airport on the phone so you couldn't walk through the airport if if cruise services can I ask who you work for? No, I unfortunately I could tell you off the air, but I can't tell you on the air because even though I've left, I um I still am keeping that a secret for now. Who knows? Well, I understand. Yeah, but, I understand. But they had this weird. Like if you were walking through the airport, you couldn't be on your phone if you were in uniform. So if your phone rang and it was cruise scheduling, you were supposed to sit down to take the call in the airport somewhere. I know it's almost like crazy. So when you talk about the conformity of the military, the airline industry, like, like, um, the police department, all these types of businesses have that type of mentality. We want everyone to look the same. We want everyone to think the same. We want everyone to follow the same rules. Also, you know, you get the good old boys club that and there's peer pressure to conform to the good old boys club because if you are good with the good old boys they can take care of you and i you know i've worked with some of those good old boys i've actually gotten into heated disagreements in the hotel van (laughs) with some of them and and all i've thought about is god you're gonna retire soon so that's good (laughs) yeah yeah again it's like on the face of it people aren't bad people right but Sometimes they don't quite understand how their political view strips the right of someone else. And it's okay to differ. It's okay to have different opinions. But when your differing opinion means that I or you or anybody can't live the same quality of life or pursuit of happiness that, any, that they can, then that opinion is, is wrong. It just is. Because at that point, it's oppressive. Right. So it's not, that's where it stops being a political difference. A political difference is like, I want more funding for the military or I want more funding for school. That's a political difference. But when you say things like, um, I don't know, well, it, you know, we'll, we'll use gay marriage, for example. Mm, yeah. You know, gay marriage, yes, no, it, it, that's a human rights thing there. That's not a political difference. That's, you don't want these people to have the same 
the same opportunities that you do. And why? What's the reasoning? So it's against your religion. You feel they're different. You feel like it's an abomination of marriage. That, 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 that's cool that you think that, but it's not okay that you're going to try to vote to take that away from somebody else. That, that's, where, that's where I think people don't quite understand. When you, there's a difference between political differences and saying something that would tread on human rights. I think that's where the line is drawn, for me at least. Yeah, that's, um, that's very powerful. I didn't even realize we were going to get into this heated discussion. Not heated, but this did I. Con- but it's great, and you're so smart, and I think the world needs to know that you're not just a guy who sits in the hotel room excited about the view of an atrium. I mean, people need to know how... But I am. Have, but you are. You know... Did you see that atrium? I did. Yeah. I watched that video, and I was like, he's... I know what he's going to do with that window open with the H. I stood naked and I ran around the entire corridor. It was beautiful. <laughs> now that now that you brought up that about you being naked, I'm going to ask: Do you have uh, a net? Um, how do? Oh my god, I can't think of it. A net? No, no, not a net. Um, anatomically <laughs> correct things. I am fully functional in many ways. <laughs> Are you, I don't even know, I don't even know, are you married? I don't even know. Uh, uh, I am not married, Bozo is. Oh, he is? Now, do you yeah. feel like you're married because you kind of live in their house and you hear his wife and you hear them? Do you feel like it's a triad? I feel like I'm like Harry Potter who's kept in the cupboard. <laughs> you are, the, the, don't feel like I, it. That's I literally live, what's happening. I hear muffled voices through the canvas of the bag. How often in a, so when you're not flying, how often are you allowed? Oh, I shouldn't. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. I said that. But how often are you out of your suitcase? Uh, on the overnights, I'm normally out of the suitcase. Oh, okay. Sitting on the couch, you know, I'm set up so that if anybody walks in, their first reaction is what the heck is that? That's the first reaction. And they're talking about you. Yeah. I mean, if you walked into a hotel room and you see a puppet sitting there looking at you, you'd get some Chucky vibes. I'm sure you would. Well, you're actually very cute, and I'm so into your mustache. So I, well, thank you. And, you know, I love pilots. So I would probably just be like, can we just hang out and talk? I don't even care if you don't have legs. I mean, I could figure that out. <laughs> they is very open-minded of you. Yeah. Now, do you, do you ever shave your mustache, or have you had your mustache for 36 years? I've had it for 36 years. It's been on there. It's stuck with adhesive. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? You know what's so amazing to me is that you actually know you're a puppet and someone's hands up their ass and your mustache isn't real. It's important for one to know who they are. How do you function? Have it's like you, did you always know this or did you just wake up one day and realize I don't have legs and my mouth is larger than it should be. One day I woke up, opened my eyes, it was really groggy. I walked over to the bathroom, brushed my teeth, looked in the mirror, and there was somebody there behind me, always to my left. Right. And then I walked to another mirror, and he was there. And another mirror, he was there. And I realized I am someone's 
Oh, I'm sorry. That's not. But I'm cool with it. You're okay. You're okay with that. You're like, you're like. Nah. Si- Do you ever think of being like a? You're like a Siamese twin with Bozo. In a way, I mean, it's like he's not losing an arm; he's gaining a Roger. And Lord knows we all need a Roger. There um, you go. Yeah. Now. Let's go, let's get into when you're in the airplane. So what is, what is your biggest challenge as an airline pilot, as a commercial airline pilot, pilot flying a super jumbo jet? Seeing over the control panel. <laughs> yeah. That, <laughs> now does your uh, FO help out or? Does, yeah, yeah. He tells me you're left, you're got to go right, you're high, you're low. And I just go based off his cues. Now, what was his name again? Jeff. Jeff. Now, does Jeff have legs or is he also a puppet? Uh, Jeff's a meat sack. Jeff is a human. Jeff is a human. Okay. All right. Yeah. So he can do a lot of stuff that you might not be able to do, but I'm sure you make sure he knows that you're the captain. Oh, hell yeah. That's what briefings are for. I say, Jeff, do you have any questions? And he says, yes. I say, good. Write them down. Tell me after the flight. And we go. Well, now. That's the other That's. That sounds like, it sounds like you work at my old airline. That's pretty much it because those briefings would always go standard brief. And then they'd walk into the flight deck. And I was always like, I don't know what standard brief means. I hate standard brief. You ever see a crew they never met before and they say standard brief and like, "Uh uh-huh. And you're like, but you've never met. You don't know what their standard brief could be. I hate that. Oh, I used to get so angry. I would be in the back. I always... Because I was pretty senior, I would always work in the back. And that's not a gay joke, Roger, so settle down. But maybe it was. But um, I always worked in the back galley. And I would always like to go up and meet my pilots because I always thought they should know. I They shouldn't have to come all the way back here to meet me. There's a hierarchy that we should follow. And my job is to go up there and say, hello, gentlemen, or hello, ladies, or hello, everyone. I'm Joe. I'm in the back. And... Um, I used to get so frustrated when I would see them come on and they would go in the flight deck and I'd like, I, I'm doing my security checks or I'm checking galley provisioning. And I'm like, all right, let me run up there. And then the, and then the interphone rings and it's the lead flight attendant. And they're like, Oh, standard brief. You don't have to come up. And I'm like, well, do they really, do, they don't want to know who's in the back of their airplane. I always thought that was very lazy of pilots. Well, it's lazy and it's, I call it unprofessional. You know why? You're going to work better as a cohesive crew if you know their, each other's names, at least. And you can put a face to the name. Yeah, you're not going to remember the name the next time you meet the guy, but for that trip, for that day, for that flight, you know that Joe is in the back and you know what Joe looks like. You can picture Joe. Imagine you, you're Sully, right? And I don't know if Sully knew the, the names of the flight attendants of the day of. None of us know that. But imagine you have to run to the back, right? And instead of saying, Joe, the, guy, the captain's got to be like, hey, you. Right. I never even thought of that, there's, Roger. There's a difference there. Yeah. There's a huge difference there. You gather the crew up at the front of the aircraft. You say, hi, hello, my name is Roger. I'm a puppet. Let's get over it. We're going to have a nice flight today. Blah, 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 blah. Tata, tata, yada, 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 yada. And that becomes my standard brief. Right. So tomorrow morning, when I say standard brief, you all know what I mean. Okay? Because Questions, you, comments, concerns? Right. Cool. Because you've worked for, you're working a four day trip. So in that sense, you can do that because on the first day you give them all the information. And then on the second day, you really don't have to do that again. Maybe weather and stuff like that, but I don't think you've become an FFDO overnight. So, you know, it's hopefully not now. 
here's a good point you just brought up. When you're doing your brief, hi, I'm Roger, I'm a puppet. Do you, when you meet someone you don't know, do they look at you funny? And do you, like, if it's a, is a flight attendant look at you funny and you have to talk them through it? Do they get nervous because you don't they have look legs? At me, they look at me like I'm a cocker spaniel puppy. They want pictures. They want to cuddle. They want to hug. They're laughing. I bring joy to the world, Joe. That's what happened. We have, um, can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay. You, you kind of faded out there for a moment. I'm sorry. Um, that happens. I'm getting older. They, now, do you ever, do you ever, okay, you're not married, so I feel okay to ask this. Do you ever invite flight attendants into your room? No. Recipe for disaster. That's, that is definitely okay. a recipe for disaster. I'll tell you a story. Oh, yeah. I love it. Okay. It is probably true. Imagine you're on a four-day trip. Okay. On a three-person crew. Okay? Mm-hmm. You and the flight attendant have a fling that night for whatever reason. The next day, you're chubby-chummy at the airport. The FO notices. Okay? You're flying along. You're at cruise. The FO says to you or to me, hey, Roger, did uh, something happen last night? Oh, yeah, yeah, we just, you know, we went to the room, it was whatever, and, uh, you know, I don't know what it is. And he goes, oh, but what you didn't know, or what I didn't know, is that the person I'm flying with was crushing on that person really bad. Oh. And maybe was too afraid or something like that. And regardless of, you know, no one owns anybody and we're all adults, but still, now we got a weird situation we got to live with for four days. Yeah. Or imagine if you didn't know that the FO and the flight attendant were exes. And all of a sudden, the thing happened, and now got this weird triangle going on. It ain't worth it. It's a recipe for disaster. I just stay away from that. Right, because then when you have to come out of the flight deck to use the lavatory, you're having another awkward moment. It's awkward in the flight deck. It's awkward in the galley. And you don't need to do that. You're dealing with a lot. You don't have legs. You don't need any more problems. No kidding. That's right. Um, yeah, yeah. You recently did something I think is wonderful, and you donated five hundred dollars to the National Gay Pilots Association. Um, uh, yes, but I'm going to correct you there. Okay, I didn't. Oh. My people did. My fans did through me. Okay, can you can you walk me through um, how you, or, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, not donated, but. Oh, come on, Roger. You're the smart one. I've had two. Yes. How did you raise the money? Good go. Lord. Yeah. I'll get there one day. So it started, it started during Pride Month last year. Pride Month last year kind of snuck up on me. I wasn't ready for it. <laughs> and I just made a post and I realized that it's a weirdly triggering issue for some people. And oh, yeah. I figured I wanted to do something nice and I wanted to raise some funds for the NGPA. But I didn't have the time last year to do it because, I, I, again, it caught me by surprise. So I, this year was a year in the making. I, I designed these stickers. I ordered them. And, you know, I, of course, I found the money for the stickers and, and everything else. And then I sold them. All the profits from that sticker that my fans bought, knowing that I was doing this, all the funds were then donated to the NGPA this year. And for those who don't know, it's the National Gay Pilots Association. So, so 
So, you know, I, I, yes, the check came from us here at Speed Tape Airlines, but I, I really give the credit to my fans who, who you know, who, who bought the stickers and supported the cause. Now, when you said last year that Pride Month snuck up on you, what do you mean by that? Well, I'm a busy guy. You know, I just wasn't paying attention. And by the time I noticed it was Pride Month, it was halfway through the month. It was too late to order anything. So, you know, I, so I made I made myself in a little uh, little promise that the next year, this year, I was going to do better. And what what is in your brain, your fluffy brain, that makes you want to do something like this? What tells you, you know what, I'm going to raise some money and I'm going to donate it to the National Gay Pilots Association? Because gay people aren't a joke. And if I could count, I can't count on my, my two hands. I mean, even if I had feet, I couldn't count on my, my fingers and toes. The amount of times I heard that stupid joke when I'm doing a mock evacuation in the simulator and someone says, hey, dick in the rear here, you know, and... What's that? I've never heard of that. What is? What are they talking about? Well, pretty much you're pretending to talk to a flight attendant, <gasps> right? No. So oh, they're saying, that's... Call dick in the rear. Oh, no. And they're referencing yeah. a flight now, attendant? And yeah, and I'm sorry if that, that's a revelation, but that's it's what it they is. do. And that, I've never heard that in my that, entire life. And the thing is, they do it because they think they're safe. And no one's going to call them out on it. Or if I ever had, I've heard the term, can I use the, the F word here? Oh, yeah. Not the four letter one. The letter. I mean, you I, can I've say heard whatever the term you want. fag. Yeah. yeah, I've heard the term fag used. And again, it's not okay. And there was a young man back in my, well, in Bozo's day, right? This is Bozo's story, really. Oh, okay. But, uh, you know, I'll let Bozo answer that question for you guys when we get there. How about we do that? Okay, we'll remember that. But, but, uh, okay. But still, there's enough reason for it. And just the comments alone on the post show you there's a reason for it. There's a need for Pride Month. There's a need for the support. I'd love for there to be a world where someone's like, hey, I'm gay. And you're like, okay, fine, I don't care. Yeah, or, or, you know, okay. For it to be as benign as someone saying I'm straight. Once we get to that point, we won't need a Pride Month anymore. But as long as people either cringe or make a joke or or marginalize, there's a need. There's a need to raise awareness and a need for support, and that's why I did it. Well, and, you know, gay people are an easy target to pick on. So my philosophy is always this. If you're in the flight deck or you're some, you don't even have to be of anybody, any human being, if you're making fun of gay people, that's just being a lazy, that's a lazy joke because that was like the, like the sixties and seventies when all, like when the Eddie Murphy was telling all the gay jokes, that was the, that was the, the um, peak of gay jokes. Now, if you come out with, you know, a gay joke, you're just being kind of lazy because it's been done and it's really not even funny anymore. And the thing is, I don't know what you're trying to gain yourself by using that kind of language or saying, telling me that kind of joke. Like, what are you trying to prove to me? Do you think it's like a brotherhood? Uh, like, hey, I'm going to pick on the, the dick in the back and you're going to laugh with me and we're going to have a jokey, jokey moment up in the flight deck. Maybe it could also be a barometer to see, like, are you going to roll with me? Or are you someone, you know, like, where, like, what are your tolerances at? Maybe like that. 
I, I don't know. I don't understand the motivation of people who, who behave that way. Right. I don't, especially in an industry that is very open to LGBTQ plus, you know, members working. I mean. Oh, yeah. I, like what? Every one out and of one. And not just in the cabin, in the flight deck, too. Right. Like one out of every one flight attendant is a homosexual. <laughs> See, when yeah. I tell the jokes, they're funny, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, so, but. When you posted this on Instagram, I, I actually commented to you and you responded back. And I was like, thank you so much for doing this. And I started reading comments. And I have to tell you, I was shocked. Um, some of them, when you posted this, you were like, donated $500 to uh, the National Gay Pilots Association. Thank you for buying the stickers. Comments were, people told you to fuck off and what, yeah. F- to fuck off. That's sh- yeah, it is. That was amazing. I was that actually, and not much surprises me. That surprised me. Um, and then some person put like ten of the vomit emojis and said unfollow. And I thought, is this a thirteen-year-old? Because if you put ten vomit emojis, you probably haven't passed <laughs> the eighth grade. No, actually, I looked up that guy. He's a pilot. Yeah, I forget for where, but he's a pilot. Both of them were. And uh, I just laugh at it at this point. And you know, I think I'm going to delete it, not delete it. I'm like, nah, they made their bed. I'm going to leave it here for people to see. Oh, yeah. Always leave it. Always leave it. Because yeah, on the comment thread, there's more, you know, those, those asshole people who say shit like fuck off because you're actually doing something kind for people. I'll never get it. Um, People need to see that because then those people, then the people who are supporting you and supporting your cause and being thankful for what you've done will ultimately handle that shit for you. And I've learned that having a social media, like if somebody writes something like you're the worst flight attendant on the planet, I don't even comment anymore. I don't even respond because my fans and the people who follow me are going to take care of it for me. Yeah. I mean, the only time I actually go in, I will actually moderate a comment. Mm-hmm. Is if they're they're fighting at each other and they're using slurs and names at each other. That's because that's just uh, it just it just spams my my comment feed. But uh, no, I will leave that up there. I don't. I'm not a big fan of like cancel culture in a way. Yeah, I don't want to cancel. I want to educate. Right. You know. Oh yeah. So if enough people tell this person they're wrong, maybe they might change their behavior. I'm not betting on it, but maybe. You know. Yeah. Um, and and again, I'm not out here. To, I'm not out here, you know, actively trying to change people's minds. I'm just here to show them that they're not, they might not be as, uh, prevalent. Their thoughts, their, their feelings might not be as prevalent as they think they are. Maybe they should reconsider if I can, I don't know. Maybe I'm trying to change mine. Well, but you you, a, even if I can get somebody to reconsider one stupid gay joke, mm-hmm. I'm happy. Yeah. Well, it's one person at a time, right? You have to, you have to focus on, you can't focus on changing the world at one point because, or you can't focus on changing like the minds of the people in the United States because there's over 370 million people. So you really have to chisel away. And if you can change the mind of one person, you've done a good thing. Yeah. If you change your course by one degree, eventually you're going to shift your, your, you know, where you're flying a great deal. So one degree at a time, and we'll get to where we're going. I love it. Did you, did any of those comments, cause I'm not, and ladies and gentlemen, those comments, some of them were 
fucking brutal. Like I was like, do they know they're talking to a puppet? But okay, I'm not going to get into that. But well, I mean, they're very aware there's a person behind the puppet. <laughs> what you know? Yeah, but that and that's who they're talking to. Probably they're probably talking to Bozo when they're saying that. Yeah, because somebody even wrote something like "stick to puppetry," and that one actually made me laugh. I know. Because I thought... Stick to puppetry. But who gives you the right to tell us what we're going to put on our page? Exactly. Really. It's amazing. Now, I'm not a a performing dancing monkey for you, you know? Well, sometimes, right? I've seen you dancing around on some of your videos, but we're not going to talk about that. I do have to. You do love to dance with no legs. Did you... um, when you saw these comments, though, so let me let's go back a moment. When you were getting ready to to donate this money, and you were getting ready to promote the put this on social media, did you think I'm going to get some backlash? But I don't care. Did you expect these comments? Well, that's what happened last year. That's uh, that kind of also was caught me off guard. So Pride Month last year again, I think caught me in the middle of the month, or I might be getting that wrong. But anyway, I was not prepared for it like I was this year, and I probably just made a post. I think I made a post, you know, supporting it and man, the backlash. I think I lost close to 150 followers that day. Oh my God. And honey, 150 homophobes. It's not a problem. Good for you. Congratulations. That's one, that's that's one thing of it. But two, they, they threatened to unfollow as if I live my life based on how many followers we have on a Facebook page. Yeah. You know? Right. I mean, this, it's not a business. This is not bread and butter. We do this because it's fun. We're trying to make people laugh. You know, we're not, we're not, this isn't putting anybody through college, okay? This is, it, it just is what it is. So people threatening to leave, stick to puppetry. Don't forget what got you these fans. As if I care. I'm going to do the right thing for me. I'm going to, well, for everybody, I think it's the right thing for all. And if you want to stay, you can stay. If you want to leave, you can leave. So last year, I got that backlash. And I was expecting it this year. And it came. And it showed up, and I just let it play out. I didn't lose any sleep over it. I promise you that. Well, no, because Speed Tape Airlines barely lets you sleep with their schedule they put you on, so I can understand that. That makes complete sense. Oh, my me. God, that's so true. Oh, my God, they're terrible. But um, yeah. from I, I'm a gay guy. I'm married to a man. We've been together for 16 years, married 15. And I want to say, th- I wanna say thank you or even considering doing this. And you don't know the impact that it has on people who are who believe in equality. And so th- thank you, Captain Roger Victor, because I really, I'm not a pilot, but I really appreciate And I actually know a lot of, there are a, a lot of gay, I actually know a lot of gay pilots. And I always think like, what it must be like for them up in the flight deck when they're working with somebody who's like, oh, did you see that fag? I think he's looking at me. Like, mm-hmm. can you imagine that? I mean, I, I, oh, it would be, I would turn around and be like, well, I'm one of those people too, so you might want to settle down. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I came across a guy, a pilot, and someone told me that he was gay. You know, flying this years and years and years ago, over like seven years ago. And in my mind was like, what? Really? And then I immediately had that reaction of, why should that surprise me? You know? Like, okay, cool. All right, he's gay. That's fine. I mean, why does that person have to point it out? Like, does it matter? Really? Right. Is he a cool person to fly with? That's Is he going to keep me safe? Are you going to follow procedures? Right. Is he going to buy me a beer? I'm cool with that. Yeah. You know? 
Absolutely. It don't matter. It doesn't matter. So it I shouldn't mean, be it shouldn't be a thing. And this might be off topic, but how much does having someone's hand up your ass help you? <laughs> I can't even get the question out. <laughs> having a hand okay. up your ass. What you do, what you do with your husband and what he does with your ass and how far it goes not up. Not is mine. That my no, not mine, <laughs> silly. I would love to, fly. I would fly with you. Listen, I would just sit in the flight deck and let you sit on my lap so you could actually see over the, the controls, but, um, and I was just trying to be silly and saying like, what's, you know, does having someone's hand up your ass constantly help you think like, wow, gay people have it hard. Let me donate some money to the pilot association. I never made the correlation till now. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of a joke. I, See, that. I can, I can say those jokes because I, ladies and gentlemen, I'm a homosexual. Um, there you go. Exactly. But seriously, thank you so much for that. Who do you think is funnier, you or 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 Bozo? And don't look at him. Don't. I know you oh, wanted gosh. to look at him, or I know he's looking at you because he's there. It's like a fucking nightmare just yeah. hanging out. But who's funnier, you or I'm him? More real fun. quick. What? I'm more fun. Yeah. Me. Look at me. Of course. He's all like he's all like reserved, and he's got to think about taxes and shit. I got nothing. All I got is flight, and that's and that's good. That's all I need. That's all you need. You got You're the only pilot. You're the only captain. Let me ask you this, and I might ask him. I don't know. Should I ask you or him this? I'm going to ask you. Does he ever? Okay. Does he ever come to you for advice? Does he think of you as um, somebody that he can trust to give him advice? Are you asking if he talks to me as if I'm real? Yes. Yes, he does. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, yes, he does. I think you should ask him that question. I'm going to ask him that question because uh, <laughs> I think that's a that's a good question to ask because I want to know I want to know more about that. And him and I are going to talk when I'm done with you. So, um, okay. If you, could, I'm sorry. I'm listen. I'm glad I talked to you first because now you got me nervous talking about talking with um with Bozo. Um, why do you call him Bozo anyway? That sounds mean, but I know you're not mean. I know you're a sweetheart. No, it's just, it's just the name we came up with. Okay. That's all. I mean, I mean, we all know Bozo the clown. It's just, it just, somebody asked at some point about him and it was on the spot and then had to come up with a name. I said, what Bozo? And it kind of stuck since then. There's nothing really behind it other than that. Okay. All right. Yeah, I was curious about that. If um, if you could do, if you couldn't be a pilot anymore, what would you do? Yeah, what would you do, Captain Roger Victor? If you, if Speed Tape went out of business, which it sounds like they're close to that, possibly. Um, uh, what, yeah, actually, what would we, you are, do? we are teetering. You're what? What I do? Yeah, you know what I would do? Tell me. I would go down to Orlando to Walt Disney. And demand to meet the frog. The frog? I want to sing with Kermit and Miss Piggy. I would try to become a performer on the Muppet Show. Oh, that's actually a really good... Listen, I mean, do you do you feel like that's a passion that you want to do? Would you ever leave your career as a 36-year captain to go and dance on stage with Kermit and Miss Piggy? Oh, God, yeah. Who doesn't love the Muppets? 
I love the Muppets. If you don't love the Muppets, something's wrong with you. You're the devil if you don't love the Muppets. I love the Muppets. Who is your? That's um, true. Do you know any of them personally? Rizzo the rat owes me money. (laughs) Well, I. Yeah. I. If something, uh, I don't know how to like you and I. Aren't you and Kermit friends? Like you know him, right? No, No, I don't know Kermit. I mean. I've written him letters. His people have wrote back, but no, I never met the frog personally. But man, Miss Piggy's hot. So you <laughs> see, that was now. Listen, I, I'm trying to be very polite tonight, but I have a very okay. bad sense of humor. And when you said that, I thought, "Oh, I've worked with her on the plane." But see, I didn't say it. I didn't say it. I almost did. That's that's my hey. joke. That's my Joan Rivers way of getting jokes out. Joan Rivers had this way of being able. She, I thought she, uh, she was brilliant, and she had a way of saying the joke without saying the joke, because she was so ah. good at what she did. And that's kind of what I did. So I'm proud of that. But um, so you don't, you only know Rizzo. You don't know any of the other Muppets. So you'd have to really start from the bottom if you went to Disney and tried to get a job there. Yeah, I mean, I probably end up having to, you know, like I don't know, fluff Grover. Or something. Oh, God, Make sure his, you know, spurs all fluffy. I think they've all fluffed. Fr- um, what was his name again? Oh my God, my wine's kicking in. Grover, Grover. the blue one. Listen, the I, blue one, the cute furry little monster, oh, man. Now, yeah, now I think you're talking about me. <laughs> now, uh, let me ask you. Let me ask you. How old are you, Roger? If I may ask. Uh, I've been flying for 36 years. I think I'm about. I think I'm about. 37. Yeah, that makes sense. You look very young. I, it, you look like pilots that I have flown with. So when I first saw a picture Man, of you, I was very, pilot, pilots need to see a doctor. They look like me. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were Canadian. They had big mouths. Okay. <laughs> um, Roger, you are fantastic and I would do anything to fly with you, but speed tape airlines uh-huh. sounds very, very unsafe. So I don't think I'm going to fly them. But maybe one day, if you're ever in Denver, are you ever in Denver? Do you ever do flights to Denver? Not as often as I used to. Last time I was in Denver was in January. All right. Well, if you are ever in Denver, I'm going to need you to have Bozo or you reach out to me because I will drive to the airport so I can meet you. Uh, Thank you very much, Ray Kyle. I will let you know. Okay, please. I'll make sure Bozo lets you know. Oh, well, I, you know what? I should just get your number because I don't trust him really. I shouldn't say that. I haven't yeah, even talked to him yet. But before I let you go and we and I start talking to Bozo, I want you to play Let's Get Grounded, where I ask you yeah. a question and you answer it. Are you ready to play? Is it like a quick fire thing? No, it's really just one. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to name off a bunch of airlines. You pick one, and then I will ask you the question from that airline. Oh, dear. Okay. No, it's okay. I promise I won't put you on the spot. So JetBlue, Southwest, Alaska, Delta, American Airlines, or Frontier? Mm. JetBlue. JetBlue. Everyone picks – everyone loves JetBlue. Would you, want, would you work for JetBlue? I would, actually. I would. I like their product. I like – First thought I ever did on a JetBlue plane as a passenger, right? It was this this little screen in front of me, and it said that I looked cute in leather. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 it literally it said it said you look cute in leather. 
And like, what the heck are you talking about? And I realized that I'm in an economy seat in a leather economy seat. Oh, wow. Aren't they knew it? I thought that was very cute. That was very cute. I could see you at JetBlue. They have that blue uniform. You would look cute at JetBlue. All right, let me ask you. I would. I like you. Well, you look cute everywhere. But let me ask you this. Let me ask you this question. On a flight from Los Angeles to Sydney, if you could sit next to any famous person, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh, wow. If I could sit next to somebody dead or alive? Yeah, if you, Captain Roger Victor, were on a flight, a long, like, 16-hour flight from any – just a long flight. I always pick L.A. to Sydney because it's a long flight. If you could sit next to anybody dead or alive where you could chat and talk about things, they wanted to sit next to you, who would it be? Gosh. That's a great question. You know who? Who? Tell me. I don't know who. You don't? You don't know who. No. <laughs> you know, you, no. you like you wouldn't want to sit next to Rizzo for your money or Miss Piggy so you could, who knows what. Oh, you said dead or alive. I'm just thinking dead. Oh, I'm oh, sorry. No, oh, no, dead or alive. Anyone, anyone. At dead or any, alive. Any point oh, in history. Yeah. I mean. Fozzie Bear. Who? Fozzie Bear? Uh, yeah, Fozzie oh, Bear. Oh, I love Fozzie Bear. He is my favorite. He's got all the jokes. He is, he's got all the jokes. I think that's why when I was growing up and I was a little kid and I was picked on a lot and I was, I had no friends. I know this gets sad very quickly, but I remember I loved the Muppets and I loved Fozzie because he was the one who made everyone laugh. And I said, when I grow up, I want to be like Fozzie Bear and I'm hairy. So it all worked out. Well, but that's the next thing about Fozzie. Once, once you want to fall asleep, you can just kind of cuddle up to Fozzie. He's cuddly. He's soft. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got jokes and he's a soft bear. So you can just cuddle up, cuddle up to him. Oh, my God. It sounds like I'm talking to my husband. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Roger, Roger. I thought you liked that one. Oh, that was a good one, Roger. It was a clean, good gay joke, and I loved it. Thank you, you so go. much for coming on the show. Now, are you? Do you have to immediately go back into your suitcase or can you just hang out while Bozo talks? Because I like knowing that you're around. I'm going to hang here. I'm going to hang here and stare at him while he does this. (laughs) Well, is that what he did to you? Yeah, well, pretty much. It's, it's only fair. Roger, it was so great to meet you. I think you're wonderful. Don't forget to buy your flight attendant's coffee, and I hope to meet you one day. Uh, likewise, Joe. Thanks for having me. Thank you, sir. Uh, now, let, let's, Bozo, they want to let's get Bozo on the phone. All right. Ah. Let's do, let's do, I'm going to do this to transition for a minute. <laughs> oh, my God. Captain Roger Victor was hilarious. Now we're going to talk to Bozo. All right. It wasn't that funny, people. All right. Is that a laugh track? It's a laugh track because I run a video. You have a laugh track. Joe has a laugh track. That's impressive. Oh, yeah. I didn't use it for Roger. I hope he's not offended. But hey, nah. it's the guy who who is the master puppeteer. Thank you, sir, for coming on the show. Well, thanks for having me, Joe. Um, now that I'm saying it in my voice. Not, I mean, Roger's voice is my voice, but it's slightly different. It is a little different. Um, his is a yeah. little more sing-songier. Yeah, he has, um, his voice went through different variations. When he, when I started with him, he was very, very Midwestern, not Midwestern. He was very like Tennessee. He was, he had a heck of a, of a twang. 
And oh, really? uh, my wife, yeah, my wife begged me forever to get rid of it. And the first video I did when I got rid of his twang is the one that went viral. Oh, so <laughs> people liked the no twang. Is that what you're I saying? I think it also has to do with the content of it, but yeah, it led to it led to Roger's voice because in that video I just did my own voice for Roger. Okay. And I felt that it was weird for me because I couldn't. Sep- it was hard for harder for me to separate myself to the character. So I gave him a little bit more of a of a twang there and a little bit higher, slightly higher pitch. Whether or not people hear it, I hear it, so it helps me do the character. I see. Well, it, it does yeah. help because. We all know that Captain Roger Victor, don't let him hear this, but oh my God, see, we all know that he's, he's a puppet, but when you're talking to him, (laughs) tell him to settle. He's had his chance. Now it's yours. Um, when, when, um, when you, when you're talking to him, you do forget that it's a puppet. And he's, he's definitely smarter than I thought. And here's the funny part. It's really you. So my mind is really just mush <laughs> doing this interview because I knew I was going to set it up where I talked to Roger first and then you, but still, and I'm very, I have a lot of questions for you, but I still want to just hug and talk to Roger. So w- <laughs> you're doing a great job. Can you please share you. your story of how you got into puppets? Yeah, um, so I've been playing with puppets since I've been around 11 years old, 10 or 11. Uh, I grew up overseas myself, and uh, I moved into this, uh, where I went to, I mean, I, I moved to Israel. It's not a, it's not a secret. Uh, I moved to Israel I'm, uh, at a young age. My whole family moved for, uh, you know, whatever reason we moved. And we moved into this Anglo area, so a lot of English-speaking families. Mm-hmm. Two doors down, there was a family who uh, had kids our age. We would play with them a lot. And in their playroom downstairs, there was a bin of these little puppets that they had. Um, back in the late 70s, early 80s, the Henson Company gave licensing, I believe, to Fisher-Price. And they made these really nice quality Muppet puppets, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and the, 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 the lady, the, the mom, she, she bought them. And so there was... There was a, a Bert, a, co- a Cookie Monster. There was an Oscar the Grouch, a Kermit the Frog. Most of the Sesame Street ones. And um, I realized that I could do a half-decent Kermit the Frog voice. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of gravitated towards Kermit. And, I, and we had, I had younger siblings, and the family had younger siblings. So I would end up doing puppet shows over the weekend for fun, right? This was before the internet really took off, everybody. So I would do puppet shows. And... Um, when, you, when you're 18 in Israel, uh, there's a mandatory draft into the military. Right, I've heard that. Uh, I was a citizen at that point, and my, you know, my, my date came, and I had to go to the army. So there was a going-away party before, and uh, the mom of this family, our neighbor, gave me a going-away present, and there was a shoebox. Inside the box was the Kermit puppet that I've been playing with for the past, well, I wasn't really playing with it all the time, but that I started playing with when I was 11. So seven years, um, she still had it, and she decided to gift it to me as a going-away present. And there was a card with it that said, never forget to be silly, or don't forget to be silly. Mm, I love that. And uh, I've, had that, I've had that Kermit puppet now for over 18 years. Oh, wow. I've been playing with them for over 20. 
well, 20, yeah, over 20 years. Uh, and he, as I'm speaking to you right now, he's on my desk. I have him mounted on my desk uh, as a reminder. He's one of my most prized possessions. And that's what got me into, into puppetry. Um, but I don't think I really started getting into like the passion of it until um, I met my wife. And she made me a different Kermit puppet. She found a plushy Kermit doll. And she has incredible skills as a seamstress. And she she, does, you know, she has professional training and experience in costume design. There's nothing she can't make. Oh, cool. So she took this Kermit, pup, this Kermit doll and she turned this Kermit into a puppet. And um, my wife's a preschool teacher. So I would take the Kermit puppet and I'd go into the classroom and Kermit would meet the kids. And I loved how the kids interacted with Kermit. And, um, and my wife being ever so sweet as she is, she came across one day at Goodwill on a total, on a total whim. It came across this, this puppet. It was a raggedy boy, had brown hair that went in all, all directions. He had these innocent eyes, this, this like saucer plate mouth. And he was in this orange jumpsuit with a striped shirt underneath. It's like, uh, like an orange, like Oshkosh, Bagosh kind of overall. And she bought him for $3 at a Goodwill. And she gifted him to me at Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was the first time I owned a puppet that was not a Kermit puppet. And uh, I started playing with him, and I quickly realized that if I flipped his hair back and put a mustache on him, he kind of looked like a pilot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's how Roger Victor was born. I mean, I think that the same week I went to another Goodwill, and I bought uh, a toddler's tuxedo jacket, a toddler's white shirt, I uh, went to Joanne's Fabrics and got some gold um, gold striping, mm-hmm. right? Gold ribbon. And I created with this toddler tuxedo jacket, the uniform jacket. Uh, I gave him one of my old ties, the zipper tie. And I put the jacket on him and I bought the hat off eBay, not eBay, uh, uh, Amazon. Right? Cause you could, anybody could buy this hat. It's a kid's pilot costume hat. Okay. Uh, and that, and that's, and that's all of a sudden I had a, I had a puppet that's a pilot. That I could play with, and that's how Roger Victor was born. And it just kind of, it kind of blossomed from there. I never intended for it to go viral or anything like that. It was just me playing and having fun with it. But uh, that's how I got into puppetry. That that's the story in a nutshell, really. Um, you um, I have to say, you do probably a better Kermit the Frog than Jim Henson. Can you please? Just do Kermit for me for a few moments. Just so Have you heard my Kermit before? I to- well, oh, I'm sorry. I told Roger that I stalked you guys on social media. So oh. I watched a lot of videos and there was this one video where it was actually you, but we didn't see your face. No one knows what you look like, which I find to be incredibly exciting. And you were sharing this. And when I your when you did your Kermit, I called my husband into the room and I was like, this is the guy who's coming on my show tonight. So um, it's, it's truly like you, this could be your job to be a Kermit impersonator. Can you now can, first of all, can you, it's, it's good. No, no, it's good. Now can you, now I would love you to do him for a few moments if you can. And also when you do a voice like that, 
do you have to put the puppet on or can you do it with the puppet around on the other side of the room? It helps to have the puppet on because you kind of get into the, into the, into the, the groove. It's kind of like if you ever watch a voice actor, a voice actor is going to change his face when he does the voice, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, but it, it kind of helps. So I'll take my little, my little crewman guy here. Yes. This oh. is the old one. Oh, so that's the, the one you've had since you were 11. Yes, my hand can hardly fit inside anymore because he's made for a kid. Right. But, um... Hey, <clears throat> oh. couldn't it be Frog here from Sesame Street News? Yay! Oh, my God! Yay! Yeah! Yeah! Oh, my God! <laughs> I am gonna, listen, listen. I'm going to start crying because this really... You know, this is why puppets, I am crying, by the way, this is why puppets bring so much joy to people, because I think it just makes you feel like it's okay to have fun and to be a kid. Yeah, there's something magical about it. I mean, you mentioned how you forget when you're talking to Roger, you forget you're talking to a puppet. And that's for me, that's my fun. When I have Roger on my arm, and even when I'm interacting with someone face-to-face, and oftentimes in an actual airplane, I will interact with the crew with Roger on my hand. Not like, hey, look, it's Roger. Like, if they know, if they, if they know. Um, my son is when they stop looking at my face mm-hmm. when Roger's talking, and they just talk to Roger. That's my fun. There's a video you can find on YouTube of, uh, I think Jim Henson brought Kermit the Frog on the old Arsenio Hall show. Okay. And you can see there's a moment where Arsenio stops talking to Jim and is purely talking to, to Kermit. And even though Jim is not, Jim Henson was not a ventriloquist. And it's obvious that there's a guy there with a, with a frog on his hand. You don't care because you are just focused on the frog. That is, that is, that is the magic of puppetry. It really is. It's like um, that show Avenue Q. Oh, yeah, I've seen it, yeah. Yeah, so if you saw it, the puppeteers kind of fade in the background. Even though they're there right in front of you, standing there, you know, you're looking at the puppet. Even though the puppet might be a half-bodied puppet and there could be two people manipulating him, you don't care because your mind gives in to the illusion. It gives gives in to the suspension of belief, of disbelief. And and you you just buy into it. And that's, like I said, that's just the magic right there. I feel like um, I stole your Kermit Thunder because I was laughing and crying while you talked. So at some point, if you could do it again, I would be greatly. I hate putting you on the spot, but if it happens, it happens. I won't pressure you. But when well, you're. Well, impersonation of Kermit is not really Kermit the Frog himself. I mean, Kermit the Frog is owned by Disney now. And we don't want to. We don't want to make the, the mouse angry. Oh right! That, I never even <laughs> thought of that. Um, but thank. But thank you so much because I have to tell you, just when I was watching the video of you with your Kermit um, puppet, it brought me so much joy, and I'm 47. <laughs> wow! So well, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad I was able to bring you joy. I'm always. Um, it was great. I'm, I'm still genuinely surprised at the reception of the stuff that I do and how people, you know, they thank me. I'm like, like, like I appreciate it, but I've been at the same time. I'm just like, well, you know, I'm playing with a puppet. Uh, you know, I, I obviously it does something. And, um, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm speechless to the, 
at the, not only the reception, but the reach that it's had. Because Roger is, is known globally among the aviation community, globally. Oh, yeah. Uh, from Australia to Germany to India to, um, you know, to, to Asia. Uh, India's in Asia, but I mean, like, you know, the Far East. Yeah. He, he's known all over amongst aviation circles. Not everybody knows him because there are times where I'll be like, hey, I'm Roger Victor. And they're like, Ooh. So I'm glad that I've got, you know, there's some people who haven't heard of him yet. But on the, on the flip side, there's people, okay, when I did head somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a working pilot. So when I did head somewhere, I will buy donuts for the crew or coffee or something as a little token of appreciation because, you know, working a, a five-leg day, four days in a, in a row, a little pick-me-up is always nice, you know? Oh yeah. So I'll do that and I'll, and I'll sign it, you know, as Roger Victor and I'll just pass it up to the flight deck or I'll ask the flight attendant to make sure they share with the guys or gals up front. Um, and every now and then there's somebody who, who know, who, who recognizes and they know. Uh, and then they're like, really? He's on my plane. And he wants to, after the flight, they ask if I can come up and take pictures or, you know, but, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's cool, and it especially it's cool because I didn't I didn't intend to do this for it to be as big as it is. You know, I was just I was just playing with a puppet, and it went viral, and I've been kind of playing catch up with it ever since. I think it's wonderful, and you know, I remember I only learned about Roger Victor maybe like a year and a half ago. A pilot friend of mine had tagged me, um, flight attendant Joe, on social media with. Roger and said, you guys need to collaborate together. And I was like, what is going on? Who is this? <laughs> and you might not even remember that. And I remember I s- seeing that. And th- and when I remember seeing you, seeing Roger, not you, but seeing Roger and thinking, oh, oh my goodness, how am I going to get into this puppet's life? <laughs> <laughs> and it happened. And you I'm know, very excited. I, have to do that, I think it's very <laughs> exciting. Now, did you, cause Roger's very funny. I asked him, oh, okay. See, you forget. Like I asked him, I'm really still thinking of you mm-hmm. two as separate beings cause you are, but I asked him who's funnier. He said he was, um, do you agree with that? I agree because, you know, given that, that Roger is a puppet, Roger can say certain things, even though I, I, you know, I, I pretty much believe in myself, but it's easier to express yourself through a puppet. You know, especially if you're going to, if you want to be fully open about some things, you can go a little bit extra than you could as a person. So, like, if you say something, if I say something, it might be offensive. And Roger says that it comes out humorous in a way. Or because of Roger's personality, it makes it humorous. You know, a lot of people think that Roger and I are exactly the same. And there's a lot of similarities in us. But Roger is more of a, he doesn't have much of a filter. No. You know, right? And, and we don't, just, we don't want just, him to. Yeah. No, and that's and that's the that's the cool thing about him, and that's one of the aspects that people tell me is like Roger is not just something that they or some somebody that they find funny or look to for humor. Roger says the things that they can't say without fear, you know, of uh, of discipline from their company or something like that. Right, you know? because they're not. Are they going to come to you and say, "Hey, your puppet said this, and we don't like it"? Because you know, Roger doesn't even, Roger works for Speed Tape Airlines, which doesn't exist. So. Yeah. So if any airline comes, you know, would say, hey, 
we don't like that you're saying that. I'm going to be like, why? I didn't say you're doing this. Are you doing this? <laughs> kind of thing. Does, does uh, and she, that's, that's what gives us the freedom of it. I think that's what gives us the freedom, the fact that Roger works for Speed Tape. He doesn't work for anybody in particular. That was a very smart decision to make. Does your airline know that you and Roger are so close? Um, yes. Okay. Yeah, so I don't work for the same company that I worked for when Roger started. Okay. Um, the first company definitely knew right from the get-go because um, my regional chief pilot and I knew, regional chief pilot knew about the Kermit story and I even entered into like a little company talent show. Oh. <laughs> right? Uh, and uh, I did a little, little Kermit skit that was played at the headquarters for the talent show thing and it was, so everyone in the company knew puppetry and, you know, the Venn diagram of pilots and puppets is very small. Right. And as much as I, I as much as I don't reveal my face, I don't necessarily hide who I am. It, it, that's not, that's not the point of it. It's more of the mystique of it. It's kind of like you probably, you might've heard the name Frank Oz, but you don't know what Frank Oz looks like. Mm. Or if you don't know the name Frank Oz, do you know who Frank Oz is? Oh yeah, he was Yoda, and um, I know yeah. Right, so he was Yoda. He's Miss Piggy. He was the original Bert. Wasn't he um, Big Bird? No, was he Big Bird? No, that was that was Carol Spinney. Okay, uh, but but the, the average person they'll know Yoda, they'll know Grover, they'll know this, but they won't know the person behind the puppet because the person behind the puppet is not what's important. The character, and if I you know I don't want to make it about me, it's about Roger, right. You know, I mean, I, I like the fact that people like Roger, and that's cool. But I don't, I don't hide my. If you ever see a picture of Roger with a flight attendant or, cat or crew out there, and there's some who, who take pictures of me, I always say you can take a picture with the puppet because it's not about the guy behind it; it's about the puppet it's right do, there. Do people try to get a photo of you? Is that something that you're always having to battle? Like, no, no, take a picture of Roger, not me. No, 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 they didn't know. I've never had somebody who's like, I'm going to expose you or whatever. No, no one's been like that. Everyone, uh, is going to say, take a picture of, take a picture of the puppet, you know, leave me out of it. And I duck behind something. Right. Uh, and they understand sometimes they think I'm hiding my identity to protect my career or something. I can assure you and your listeners that everyone I work for then and now know exactly who I am and what I do. Uh, and we're always supportive of it. I love yeah. that. The only the only time I've ever been slapped on the wrist, not even slapped on the wrist, was uh, early on, uh, I introduced a character called Louie, you know, or, uh, Louie the Dispatcher. Okay, yeah, the raccoon. And I was, yeah, the raccoon, Louie. And I wanted to make Louie, uh, he works at the Systems Operational Control, Operational Control, and I wanted to give him a backdrop, and I'm like, how do you find a backdrop to give him? So I Googled SOC, System Operational Control, and I just chose a random photo. It ended up being the Endeavor SOC, a picture of the Endeavor SOC. So I went on Photoshop and I blurred out every logo, every trace I could find that would identify that location. I missed two of them. Oh. So I, I uploaded this video. It was my first uh, music video called The Furrible Thing. And I uploaded it to YouTube and um, within... I want to say 30 minutes of posting it, I got a text from the social media director at Endeavor Airlines. Wow, that's quick. Very quick. But not just that, 
he told me that the video got went as high as the um, CEO of Endeavor. And the CEO of Endeavor gave him a directive to take that video down. Because Delta is very, uh, I mean, everyone is very strict about their branding. Yes. But Endeavor is, is partially owned by Delta, I believe, through the whole Pinnacle buyout thing. So uh, he asked me kindly, he was very sweet, if I, if I could take it down. He said, the CEO thinks it's hilarious, but we need to take it down. <laughs> right. So that's the only time I've ever actually been, you know, approached by anybody that I might have gone too far. And I understood exactly what he was there talking about. You know, so I took the video down, I deleted it off of YouTube, took it off my, my platform. I found a different picture to use as a backdrop, and I uploaded it again the same day. Okay. But um, that's the only time anything close to negative has ever happened from this. You know, I, I understand that world very well because I've spent, I've been flight attendant Joe since 2008, and I spent over a decade trying to hide my identity at my airline. And um, it's a lot of work. It's like another job. And because I have always had people think, I'm not a puppet, so maybe people are more dickish towards me, but I've had people try to out me on social media because I know where you work. You work at blah, blah, blah. And um, I used to delete those. E oh, I would panic and I would delete those emails because I'm a dirty comedian and I say inappropriate things. <laughs> and you're so right. Yeah. Airlines, like they'll say, that is the funniest thing I've ever heard, but you're going to have to take that down. And yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, well, that's why I created speed tape. So that if anybody ever did that, it's like, well, I'm not saying anything about any real airline. You know, Roger doesn't work for Delta. Roger doesn't work for United or American or Time U.S. Airways or just lose spirit or anything else. Right. He works at, he works spirit. at speed tape airlines. Um, no, he works at speed tape airlines. Um, yeah. When did you and Roger decide like when, so you start, you have Roger, you put him in a pilot costume. When do you start? Yeah. When do you say, I'm going to make some videos and see what happens. Um, I think I got him in December and I think the first video went up in January of what of year? introducing a couple, Oh gosh, I think it's, I think it's been three years. Okay. I think it's been three years now. So maybe 2017 or 16, maybe 2017. Um, no. Yeah. Yeah. 2017. And, um, I, it was, I, I had no direction with him. You can see the first couple of videos. I had no clue where I was going with him. Uh, there was the first one of just introducing him. There's another one I made him like, like how to not let the airline screw you when you're buying a ticket. I thought I was going to make him like this <laughs> helper for travelers. Right. Kind of thing. Uh, and it just, the one that went viral was a very benign video. I, I got into my, my hotel that night. I asked if they had a breakfast in the morning. They said, yes. I said, what time is the breakfast? They said it starts at 6.30 or something like that. And I had to take a 6 a.m. van mm. to get to the airport. I hate that. And it was just a little a little pet peeve, a small pet peeve, right? As, as, as far as like, you know, people call it white people problems, you know? Right. It's, 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 it's not a problem, but it's a problem if you're air crew. You know, you know what I mean? Sure. So that was the video that I decided to make. I decided to take my internal feelings of the matter, right? and just use Roger to portray them. And that video is the one that went viral. And if you look for it, 
I forget what it's called, like pilots and breakfast or something like that. And he's very sad. <laughs> he's, he's just fed up and tired and he's disheveled. And at the end of the video, he's whacking his face on the table from frustration. Uh, and that's the one that went viral. And that's right. That's why I decided that this, that's the avenue I was going to go with him. Right. That I could be, oh gosh. Um, I, I, okay. The, I thought of this, I said, I could be the Deadpool of the airline world. Oh yeah. That's great. I could, I could call it as it is. I can say, I can, I can just literally call it as it is, break the fourth wall if I wanted to. And I could be the Deadpool of aviation because if you know the, the magic of Deadpool is that he's aware he's in a comic book movie. He knows it's absurd. He pokes fun at it. He pokes fun at the producers and everybody else. But he can do that because that's who he is. So that's 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 kind of the that's kind of what directed me into Roger's character of what to do with him because I, I realized, and I was at my second airline at the time when this was happening that there are certain frustrations that I had at the first airline and the second airline. When I was at the first one, I thought it was just because that airline sucked. Right. But then now flying at a second one that I thought was overall better, but the frustrations were still the same. So it's probably an industry, an industry thing. Mm-hmm. And there's this huge fear in the industry that you can't say anything negative about it because we're all climbing that hill to get to that mainline job. And you don't want anything to follow you that could possibly ruin your chances of being chosen to get to get chosen to come to the island. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so everyone just keeps their head low and, and, and moves along. So I figured he could be a little bit of a, of a, of a sounding board or he can show them that it's not just them, that everyone else goes through the frustrations as well. And the reception that even through today, people will text me and say, Oh, I bet you work for Spirit. Oh, I bet you work for Delta. Oh, I bet you work for Frontier. Oh, I bet you work for Swiss Airlines, you know, or Flybe in 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 Europe. And That's I always tell them yes. <laughs> I always you answer say yes. yes to everything. Oh, I should have did that back yes in the everything. day. I should have. I say that. yes to everything because Roger is everyone. Yeah. Roger is expressing frustrations that everyone feels. Otherwise the page wouldn't be as, as popular as it is. Absolutely. And just, and from, there's no lack of, uh, of material and frustrations when you're flying at a regional. Right. Just the idea of him banging his head on the table because he missed <laughs> breakfast. I can relate with, because do you know how many times it's like you have free breakfast? What time does it start? Six 30. Oh, we're leaving at five 45. Oh, we're sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I, so everyone connects yeah. with that. You know, when I, when I would work, when I was working, I retired last month, but when I was working, I would go into it thinking like, all right, if I have a bad day, there's no such Joe, your flight attendant, Joe, there's no such thing as a bad day. A bad day is a great fucking story. If something, if you ditch into the ocean, if you, I used to say myself, if we ditch in the ocean and I survive, this is going to be the best book I've ever written. And it really helped me. Like if I was on the plane and we're flying to wherever across the country and somebody's having a medical and then somebody's screaming about a Sprite and then the pilots are whatever. And I'm working with a flight attendant who's crying because her boyfriend broke up. I'm sitting there like, this is the greatest flight I've ever worked. (laughs) Now, because you have Roger, do you, 
Does do you tell yourself that too? Like if you're having a frustrating day, are you like, oh, Roger's gonna really be able to handle this? Um, yeah. So at the time, I mean, so I don't work for the airlines anymore. I work somewhere else in aviation. We're just gonna leave it at that. Oh, okay. Um, still flying planes. I just don't work for the airlines anymore. I haven't been an airline pilot for two years now. All right. This August will be two years. Uh, just a different. Um, Something else came along that was better for me and my family, and I took it, and, and life has been pretty good since, so I think it was the right decision. Uh, but at the time, oh, gosh, yes, if there was, you know, because people sometimes think that I, I, I think this stuff ahead of time. It just comes to me at the moment. So if there's a frustrating situation with a fueler and a, and, and a bag that got lost or something, yeah, I actually would, I, I flew with a little notebook, and I'd write it down, and, you know, I'd say this, 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 this. And of course, you change the names, and then with the character, you exaggerate the emotion, so it's funny. But yeah, I would uh, same thing. I got this day's going to hell in a handbag. This is great material right there. It is. Yeah. <laughs> so I would think the same way. Passenger comes up to me, tells me that we can land because his friend took a picture, and it's sunny in his backyard. Great. That's a great story. I'm going to use that. I haven't yet, but I'm going to use that. That's a great story. When I would, um, yeah. when I would be working. Like I, like I told Roger, I was all, I always worked in the back cause I can't, I could never handle boarding when they said, Oh, there's 17 wheelchairs. I'm like, I'm already fatigued. Stop. Just you, you <laughs> lost, you <laughs> lost me at one. Cause so never mind. But yeah, I would be working and there would be like some chaotic thing going on and I'd be handling it, but I'd be jotting notes down and the flight attendant would be like, what are you doing? I'd be like, Oh, I don't want to forget anything about this. And I had, I actually had flight attendants who would look over cause I keep a journal and I would be writing my journal. And I remember one time I was working with this horrible, horrible woman. She was the worst flight attendant on the planet. And she was like, are you writing about me? And I was like, maybe. And of course she ended up in one of my books. <laughs> so it's great. So I feel connected with captain Roger Victor because you know, flight attendant Joe is a character, you know, people, I would say like the most inappropriate things on the page and people would say, I want to fly on your planes. I want to watch you tell people off. And I'd be like, first of all, you're a moron because if I'm telling people off, I'm not a flight attendant because I'm going to be exactly. fired. Like, and it's so interesting how people have lost that ability to know satire anymore. Well, it's like you asked um, you asked Roger about crew briefings, right? And Roger said that he's going to tell us that phone if he has questions, submit them in writing at the end of a flight. Yes. That is like the total opposite of how I run my flight deck. Of that course. Is, yeah. That is the total opposite. I mean, I, I'm briefing my FO that, like, I don't care if you have one hour on the plane or 20. Just because I'm a captain doesn't mean I know better than you. It means I've been here longer. So I got the seniority and I became a captain. I tell them that I want to hear from them. I tell them that if, if that if I'm fast, slow, high, low, it is their job to speak up. And if I disagree with you, I'm still going to work with you, and we'll talk about it later. But we're going to work on the flight first, mm -hmm. you know, as you're supposed to. Um, I do bring the crew together on the first leg of a trip, you know, and we we do this. Uh, I try to um, set expectations and who we are and and what we're going to do is like a little like rally pep talk in a way, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, so I, I can't make it clear enough to people that while Roger and I share some traits, you know, he ain't me. Right. Uh, he's, he's, uh, at least as far as his airmanship goes, he ain't me. <laughs> but he's the, he's all the <laughs> funny things. Positions are pretty much mine. 
Right. He's all the, he's all the funny things that when, cause you know, the airline industry is ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Just like that story I was telling you, you know, we're, we weren't allowed to walk through the airport drinking a cup of coffee. We could carry it, but if we got caught drinking it, we yeah. could be reprimanded. And you know, that's just absurd. And I bet you Roger Victor could have a field day with that. So if you want to take it by all means, please. Well, I mean, there's the airline that I flew for, um, the last one, flight attendants were required to wear white bras if they were wearing a bra. White bra, even though you couldn't see it at all? They had to wear a white bra. It was was on the dress code, right? And then later on under captain responsibilities, it says the captain has to ensure that everyone's adhering to the dress code. (laughs) And I'm like... (laughs) All right, (laughs) ladies. I, I am not going there. You know, but like those kind of that kind of those kind of absurdities are rampant uh, in the airline industry. They are the whole thing of the seventeen wheelchairs that board, but you only need two to do plane. Yes, it's absurd. You know? Yeah, and that's it's true. Absolutely, it's absolutely absurd, and it's the only video that I've ever made and not published. Why? Um, so you made I'll a wheelchair video. I made a Jetway Jesus video. My God, that sounds amazing. I, I did it. Um, it wasn't a full production. It was more of a Roger Victor rant, actually. But I didn't do it because, one, I was worried about offending people, Christians who, you know, would, would be offended that I take Jesus' name in vain. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I'm an atheist, but, you know, I, oh, I'm, I, I'm trying, oh, to be, that's nice. trying, to be, trying to be a little sensitive on that, but also... There could be that one person who really needed the wheelchair who's going to think I'm mocking them. Mm-hmm. And I listened to that many times, my little rant that I did on the, for that video. And I, it's just, it just stuck with me that I couldn't do it because I didn't want to, I didn't want to marginalize that person who really does need the help. Right. Who maybe we don't know or, or, or something, you know, cause, I mean, it's, I can't say it's not a thing. It's a thing. There are people who, who abuse the system, but I didn't want it to go there. So it's the only topic that I've ever made a whole video for and then pulled back. Memes, I pull back memes all the time. But videos, yeah, that's the only video I ever made that I uh, haven't published. But those, but those kind of absurdities do exist. Also... If, I mean, a lot of times you have other people who cover it better than I did. Like, there's a lot of things that the movie Airplane covered that I'm like, I can't touch that. They did, they did it better than I could ever do. Mm-hmm. You know? And by the way, if you ever want to know some trivia, Captain Roger Victor's name is an homage to that scene in Airplane. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, Roger Victor. Roger, Roger what's our Victor Victor? Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Did, was, was it cathartic, though, for you to even record the the Roger Victor rant regarding wheelchairs? What did you finish? And you thought that I feel good. I don't have to post it, but it feels good to get it out of my mouth or his mouth. No, I felt a little dickish. I, I, I felt oh. a little dickish about it. Oh, okay. uh, I'm, I'm, I mean, Roger says what he says, but you know, me, I mean, Bozo, I guess you're calling me. Uh, I, I try, I'm very aware of people's um, sensibilities. I try to be, I'm not perfect. I try to be. Uh, so I did it and I thought I was funny when I was saying it through Roger's voice. And when I listened to it, I'm like, ah, not really, maybe no, you know? So no, it's, it's one of those that I just, I just really felt 
felt bad about. Well, I, I love the fact that you're bringing humor to this industry and you're also very, you know, conscientious regarding uh, insulting people. And I think it's such a, it's such a hard line to follow. And um, so I think it's pretty cool that you were able to pull yourself back and say, you know what? Yeah, this could go well. People, you know, there are some people who are going to just laugh and get it because we all know what it's like. You know, you're working Newark to West Palm. There's 22 wheelchairs. And then when you get there, you won't, you know, there's 22 lined up on the jet bridge, but there's 20 after you're done boarding, after you're done deplaning. You're like, how did that happen? Wait a minute. What the hell's going on? But you thought like there'll be that one person who will be offended. So you scrap the whole thing. And that that's pretty cool. I did. Yeah, because like, I, I, there was no doubt in my mind that anybody who's in the aviation industry, flight attendants, pilots, uh, gate agents, ramp agents, they would all laugh their asses off. I was more concerned about the passenger who saw the video, if they saw the video. And then are they going to think that this is what all air crew think of them? Right. And I didn't want that to happen. Kind of thing. When did so, you... Yeah. When did you... So, before Roger... How did you get out all this comedy? Because he's very funny and you know, it's the way he speaks and just the sound of his voice. So obviously this comedy was inside you. How did you get it out before Roger? I didn't. Okay. Um, I didn't, I was very hyper-focused on career, get the job, get the job, career, get the job. I knew that, there's an element to Roger that could possibly backfire on me, even still today, I guess. While pilots find, I guess, the reception, you know, the reception is overall warm, you know, welcoming. Uh, but it's like that what you said before, it's like, we think it's funny, but you got to take it down kind of thing. So um, at the time before Roger existed, I, I didn't. It was more just frustrations. What I used, Roger for me was like, a way to vent my frustrations with the industry to the world. Mm -hmm. Like, look what's happening. Like, this is, this is, this is the thing. It happens, right? It might be benign. It might be small to people who are not in the, in the industry, but Roger's audience has always been crew members, crew members. So it's more like, look, this is happening. Don't you see it's happening? Let's laugh at it instead of crying at it. What I would always do with my, um, you know, at the airlines before Roger existed, if we had a bad day, it gets to a point where you can only laugh at it. If you, if you let every little thing piss you off, you're going to die at a young age with gray hair, you know, um, out from, from cardiac arrest and high blood pressure. So there's a certain point where you just have to sit back and watch the show and laugh at it. So you laugh at it in, in the cockpit with the crew members to try to blow off steam. And that's where it was. That's where my, my, the humor would go, but I, you know, I never actually, I didn't do like any performances before Roger. Hmm. Yeah. Cause you know, it's, I had that, I asked you that question because, um, I was thinking like, you know, he started playing with puppets at 11 and in all these years that have gone on, you know, he's been building, it seems like you've been building this, you know, comedy routine inside and now you finally had somewhere to release it. Well, I've always been, I've always been a silly kind of guy uh, that those, those words of don't forget to be silly. I really take them to heart. And, um, and for, for people who know me and have flown with me, I'm constantly doing accents and voices 
and like no no joke my my welcome aboard announcement at the airline started with well, ladies and gentlemen boys and girls children of all ages from the flight deck welcome aboard flight 3337 to the mysterious elusive tropical albany airport <laughs> you know that's how it was right and that that's kind of my personality so the goofiness was always there uh despite how serious and weird and boring i sound now on the call oh, <laughs> but, stop it you're no roger Vi- you're, you're no roger victor i'm gonna tell you that no i'm kidding uh, uh, thank you um no the goofiness was always there but roger allowed me to to channel it specifically uh for for airline related stuff and since roger i mean i have a whole troop of puppets that are not part of the roger victor channel that I still do. I mean, I, I puppeteer stuff on the side. Uh, so I mentioned my wife is a preschool teacher. Right. And she's been doing Zoom classes for her students the last four months now, five months almost. So we have another character, which I bought originally to introduce as a Roger Victor character at Speedy Airlines, but I haven't found what to do with him yet. But um, we call him Reggie. And Reggie, Reggie. helps Reggie helps my wife with her class. And the kids love him. So she'll be doing a lesson on um, either, uh, I don't know, whatever the topic is that day. And Reggie will come in and like, you know, just like Sesame Street will help and the kids love him. So I do use that creativity for other things outside of Roger. But before Roger showed up, I didn't have that outlet or that, that creative uh, vehicle. You know, right. I had Kermit, but it wasn't the same. Because when you, if you have Kermit, you can do Kermit. Roger was a blank slate. Which is exciting because you basically birthed him into this incredible character where tens of thousands of people follow him. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it was it's about 12,000 on YouTube, another 47,000 on Facebook. And I forget how many Instagram. Instagram is like, the black sheep of my social media feeds. I always forget that I have it. <laughs> Got to go back to it. You always go back to um, it. I think it's like seventeen thousand on social on, on um, Instagram as well. Uh, and it's just incredible the, the reach that he's had because some of these videos, man, they go and I, they'll get half a million views. And I don't understand how it works. Social media is just incredible the reach you have right. with it. And you asked me before if I knew any of the Muppets. Right. Yeah. Um, I actually am friends on social media with one of the Muppeteers. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, he's not one of the main characters, but he does do. He's work. He works with the Hensons, uh, with the Henson Company, uh, and with Disney, and he does a lot of like. Um, so we have a puppet, right? Like, uh, let's say Cookie Monster, mm-hmm. right? Cookie Monster is operated by two people. Okay. So you have. You'll have one performer who has a hand in Cookie Monster's head. He'll, the same performer will be doing the left hand of Cookie Monster. And then someone has to perform the right hand. They call them right-handers, right? Okay. So this guy did a lot of right-hand work, and he puppeteers a lot of the side characters. Recently, he was in the UK, and he did right-hand work for Kermit on stage live. Um, and he's done a lot of... He's credited a lot of movies from Star Wars to other things, but I am friends with him on Facebook, and. Um, I get coaching from him. Oh, that's so cool. Well. Yeah, he's, uh, I'll, give him, I'll give him a little plug. If anyone's interested in puppeteering, his name is Mike Quinn. Uh, and he has this thing called Secrets of Puppetry, a course that he offers online. Very cool. If you're trying to get into puppetry, 
some great tips there. He walks through all the techniques of how to do things, how to practice, and he's really cool. So, you know, um, every now and then I get tips from him for how to do something or how to improve the performing. Because you're, do you think that your end goal would want, like when I asked Roger, if he wasn't a pilot anymore, what would he want to do? He wants to go to Disney and work with the Muppets. Is there a little bit of truth in that in your heart? Like if you could, would you want to do something like that? In my heart? Yes. But instead of the Muppets, I'd want to do Sesame Street. How yeah. can how can we get Captain Roger Victor on Sesame Street? Because that would be amazing. I I, oh, you did? I tried. There was a there was a, a contest online of like you know you donate money and, you, and then you, you get into a raffle to meet Cookie Monster. Okay. So I donated money in Roger Victor's name. <laughs> you know, this would be incredible if it worked out that I could bring Roger Victor to meet Cookie Monster um, on the set of Sesame Street. That would be incredible. But yeah, that's um. I think over the past couple of years, I, I, I've thought about it a lot, that if if I could have chosen another career, um, puppeteering probably would have been it. I don't know if it would have paid as well in the long run, but I think uh, that's my, my second passion, mm. for sure. I asked Roger, yeah. I asked Roger a story. He, he asked me, he's like, can I say the word fag? And I was like, well, yeah, if you're telling a story. And then he started talking about the story, and then he said, this is something you want to ask Bozo. Yeah. Um, can you share that yeah. story? Yeah. So you asked Roger on uh, why it was so important to him that to, 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 to speak about, you know, um, LGBT, LGBTQ um, um, uh, related uh, topics and be so such an ally. Right. Uh, back in the day, I was chief pilot of a flight school. Okay. This is going on over six years ago, seven years ago. And we had a student who was getting his licenses at the time. I'm just going to call him by his first name, Tucker. All right. That's his my real name, name. <laughs> uh, well, Tucker was a good, was a good kid, young guy. I think he's still a young guy, but he was younger then. And he came into the office one day into the, you know, to the, the, like, you know, the, the front desk area. And he said something to us. He's like, I want to tell you guys something. And I'm, I'm nervous about it, and I, I'm concerned, and I thought he had cancer, you know. Uh, and he just looks at us, he says, he says, I'm gay. And my first thought was, all right. Right. Okay. <laughs> you know, but, he, but just how nervous he was about whatever backlash he thought he was going to feel or, or, or come up against. At the school, not there wasn't any. There wasn't any at all. But he was so nervous about it. I think that's what what opened my eyes. I think to to what it means to come out or to have that to have that fear. Because you know he's he's a student pilot. He was a good he's a good kid, great guy to to, to fly with. You know, um, and. All of a sudden, he comes in all sheepish and everything. That's for me, was like one of those moments of like, it's not that I wasn't an ally before, but it was more like, no one should ever have to feel that way. Mm-hmm. You know? So that's, that's what kind of started it. And then when you get into the airline, um, I am constantly disappointed in how deep rooted some of these old, outdated, terrible viewpoints 
are out there. Um, how often you come across it, how how people just joke about it as if it's just a given that it's a funny joke to tell your friends. I, I never laugh at it. I never, you know, and I I give them the cold shoulder when they tell me such a joke. Um, so me, as Bozo, me, mm-hmm. I can't do much. I'm just a guy they're going to drown out. But I've been blessed in a way that Roger has a voice. Again, I never intended for Roger to have a voice, but he does. And what do you do with that voice? Do you just shut up and make puppet videos? Do you do you dance monkey dance when people command you to? Or do you use your platform to try to drive the little bit of change that you can. And I choose to do that because I have the platform. I have a little voice. Piss people off. I don't care if I pissed you off by saying that, that LGBTQ rights are a thing that a transgender person should be comfortable in their own skin. Uh, if you don't feel that way, then um, I, this isn't the page for you. I suppose I'd want, I want you to stay. I want you to learn. You know, I can't say that I, I know what it's like to be transgender. I know people who are, mm-hmm. I, I personally, I don't know what it feels like. Uh, I, I, cause I'm not, you know, it's just, it's, I'm not transgender. Um, I, I'm a, 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 a cisgender, cisgender male. But just because I don't personally identify doesn't mean I can't show compassion and understanding. I want to know. I want to know more. I want to support. Because if if you are a person who doesn't feel comfortable in their own skin and it's because of, of the way society views you, well, then let's change society. We're, we are... We are constantly evolving as a species, and and if if I can drive us in the right direction with a little platform that I have, ever so slightly, it's worth doing, and it's worth losing those followers. It's not, you know, it, it just is to do it. Yeah, and you know that's very powerful. And thank you for mention. Thank you for saying all that. I really appreciate that. Um, and Roger said something like. You know, I'm I'm not I'm not going to worry about losing followers if I ha- if I'm presenting this message of love and compassion and whatnot. And I think that's so important. Like, if 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 racists or people who are, don't believe in equality want to stop following me because of my message, then I'm not sad about that. Why would I like? Oh, okay, good. No racists are following me. Good. I can go to bed tonight. I could sleep better. <laughs> Because, because that's good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on two minds of it. It's like I don't mourn the loss of the follower for the follower. Okay, so my my followers went from forty seven nine hundred to forty seven eight fifty. That doesn't bother me. I'd rather they would stay and be part of the conversation. Mm. Because if they leave the conversation, we don't have the opportunity to grow or to educate. So I'd rather they stay. I don't ever tell someone they have to leave. Right. But if they want to leave in their ignorance, I'm not going to stop them. That's for darn sure. 
Yeah, that's powerful. And, you know, you're, you're using your voice and, and you're right. Like no matter what your platform is, using your voice for good is important. Yes. You're yes. Roger Victor is a comedian and he's a puppet, but he has followers and it's, it's almost like it's, it would be wrong if you did not use your platform to promote positivity and like acceptance and diversity. I've so had there's a, a phrase up there, and it's a quote. I don't know who said it, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to butcher it, but it's something to the effect of, um, what is it, like if you, oppression only requires the silence or something. I, I forget how it goes. Um, I got I to gotta look it up. But pretty much, if you're not speaking up, you're complicit in the oppression, something like that. Well, so yeah, that you go back to, you know, Nazi Germany, all these people that were like, Oh, Oh, I didn't know what was going on. Yes, you did. And you didn't say anything. So you're just as guilty. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, so I hate to bring up Nazi Germany and then slide into Israel, but I'm going to, and that's not how I planned on the conversation, <laughs> but sometimes things just come out. So when you were 11, you and your family moved to Israel. So are you, are, you must be Jewish. Am I correct? Well, Jewish heritage, atheist in practice, but yeah. Oh yes. Okay. I'm an atheist too. I was raised Catholic. So yay for atheists. But when you were there at 11 and you found these puppets you know, I, I can only imagine you're 11 years old, you're raised in the United States, you moved to a foreign country that you might not be very comfortable with. I'm sure it's scary. You find these puppets. How much of how much did that help you transition into living in a foreign country easier? Yeah, I never thought of it like that. I never thought if it actually helped or not. Um, yeah, I hate to kind of shoot down the question because it's a really good question, especially on, on an interview, but I don't think the puppets really helped me in assimilation or not. Okay. It was more of just something we did as kids to play with. Um, the assimilation into Israeli society happened over the span of my adolescence. It was... Uh, you know, you show up and then you know, I was not the popular kid in school in the States, but you moved to Israel and you're the American. And um, Israelis idolize American society. They want to be American. They want to be the 51st state. They do. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. I mean, look, when you, they like to come, to, Israelis like to come to the States because things are cheaper to purchase here. And a lot of their, their you know, the fashion and technology, because Israel is, Israel is a social democracy. So there's free healthcare, but there's higher taxes. Kind of like what people are afraid of is going to happen here, you know, kind mm-hmm. of thing. I personally think it's a good thing. Oh, that's me. Anywho, uh, but Israelis generally follow the trend that will come, to, come out of American Hollywood. So being an American in Israel was kind of like a popular thing uh, at the time uh, when I was growing up. Uh, not that I was a popular kid in school, but it, it defined me in a way. And Slowly, you learn the language, and then you also learn the accent of the language. So your your American accent when speaking Hebrew kind of fades away. But it took me until I think midway through my military service to really feel truly like I'm an Israeli. Hmm. Not because of the service itself, but because when you're in the military, you get exposed to so many different facets of Israeli society. Uh, because you get people from all walks of life who go into the military. Uh, that kind of helped mold my Israeli identity, if that makes any sense. No, it makes perfect uh, sense. Yeah. 
I just had um, recently, I had um, a an, an army helicopter pilot named Cody on the show. And we, he's been in the army for nine years. And I asked him, you know, in countries like Israel, it's mandatory that citizens, I believe when they turn 18, they have to join the military for what is it, two years? Well, it's three if you're a male. Uh, it is, I believe, 19 months mandatory if you're, if you're a girl and you have the option to extend it okay. if you'd like. So yeah. three years for a guy. So I asked yeah. him this question and he said he didn't think it would um, work in the United States, but I want to ask you because you've actually gone through it. Do you think a mandatory military service is beneficial for the citizens in a country? No. Okay. But, but I do believe a mandatory service of some sort is. So Israel, with all of its defense concerns, whatever side of the political spectrum you fall on, it makes sense that they use military. Um, what Israel also offers for girls who don't go into the army, they still have to do some sort of national service. So I have, uh, I have a couple of sisters, one opted military, one opted to do um, national service. And I have a couple of cousins who did national service as well. So what you do is during those 19 months, you end up volunteering at a hospital, at a clinic, at a pharmacy, working with Down syndrome children, uh, something to help, right? So I think a year, maybe a year and a half of national service prior to college would be a tremendous benefit. Not necessarily military. I'm not a big fan of armies and militaries myself. Mm -hmm. Um uh, and I, you know, I, I know I'm kind of weird that way. I was a combat soldier, but my, my view of it is I, I'd, I'd rather have a school than a destroyer. That's, that's how I look at it. I'd rather have five public schools than one frigate mm -hmm. or, or whatever the price difference is, you know, but I think national service would help. It would help tremendously with the social services that are desperately needed in this country. Um, you can have volunteer programs at schools to help, and, and this can give credit, and it also gives job experience to people. And not only that, it gives you a sense of community. It shows you who your community is when you're helping out, what needs might be, that it's not just about you and your college aspirations or, or whatever. There's, there's, there's something bigger. And I think it's, it's an overall it's an overall positive thing. So yeah. I didn't even know a national that. draft. No national service. Sure. You could take a year to give back to your community. You do it local in the County that you live in, you know, uh, uh the County that you live in when you turn 18, that's where you do your service and you do it for a year. And it might even help you realize what you want to do. People go to college and they change majors because they, they have no clue what they want to do in their life. If you have a year where you're, helping out people, this, that, whatever you might, your, your mind's going to be open to different things you've never considered before. And that might help steer you in your major. And, and you could, you know, your college might be something different. Your experience could be something different. You might not have to change majors. You know exactly what you're going for. You might be inspired to go into social work, social services, become a teacher um, or, or something else that, that your community needs. And because you know your community needs it, and because you spent a year in your community, you can come back to that community knowing what it needs with the training you just got after your college and you can help. 
and it raises everybody up. So I think I think a national service is is beneficial. You you know, just from this conversation, you've got me on board. I mean, because <laughs> you know, when I remember when I was eighteen, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know about I didn't even know life. And I was supposed to leave high school and go and figure out what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And you know, I I love the idea of when you're 18, you get out of high school and then you go do community service for a year, whether it's working in a hospital, helping older people, you know, volunteering in schools. I think we would be a kinder nation or people, if other nations did that, you would, like you said, it you would get that feeling of, you know, brotherhood, sisterhood, like these are one of my people, you know, right now in the United States, we're so divided. And if you look if you look different, then you're the enemy. And I just think that that sounds like a great thing to incorporate into a country. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, I think it is. I think it would help a lot, help tremendously. Now, this, um, this mindset that we have to go to college immediately and get it done. I mean, I mean again, because I grew up overseas, the average Israeli doesn't start college until they're 27. Or, 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 you know, 25, 27. You get out of the army at 21, but you get out of the army after doing the army for three years, you just want to clear your head of everything. So a lot of Israelis take a break for a year or two. They go traveling or, or they go to find themselves. And then they come back and then they start their, their, their college progression. So it doesn't have to start when you're 18. Take a year. You know, learn, learn who you are and who your community is. Then decide. But again, you know, that's, that's one person's opinion. Well, it's probably a lot of people's opinion because, you know, ever since I've been an adult, I've always thought, why do kids go right off to college? Like, who thinks this is a good idea? <laughs> Parents who want their kids out of the house. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that makes sense. Um what an amazing conversation. Like, here's the thing. I know your real name and I'm trying not to use it, but I really want to because I think, but I'm not, but just gonna call you bozo but i really think yeah. you're an incredible human being so thank you for everything um this conversation has been where i was crying where i was laughing hysterically and having some really deep thoughts so thank you so much bozo i say that and then i say bozo which is hilarious i know but hey, hey I, I i chose that name I, yes, you did. You did. Now, before I let you go, I want to ask you the same question I asked Roger Victor. And because he said Fozzie, the, well, of course, you know what he said. See, it's hard to, yeah. it's hard. Um, he said Fozzie the bear, which I would pick too. But if you, Bozo, were on a long 16-hour flight from LA to Sydney and you could sit by anyone dead or alive to talk and chat and pick their brain, who would you pick? Wow. Um, it's going to sound weird, uh, but this is going to go back to my being an, an Israeli. Uh, it's going to sound weird. King Hussein of Jordan, not the current one, his father, um, because he fought against Israel in several wars as a soldier, then as the leader of his country, brought his nation to make peace with Israel. So much so that there was a terror attack in Israel long ago that uh, took the lives of seven high schoolers. A Jordanian soldier kind of went, went crazy and shot up a school trip of Israelis. Mm -hmm. uh, the king of Jordan, the king of an Arab country, 
went to visit the family's homes of every single one of those kids who were killed. Oh, wow. To express his condolences personally. So if you are a person who can go from fighting in wars against the nation to making peace to, as a king of a nation, going to visit these people, the, the, the grieving families, that is, that is someone I want to talk to. That is someone who I want to know. That's a role model for me. Uh, if we had more people like King Hussein in the world, I believe we would have less wars and less death. So that's, he's been one of my role models for a long time. Uh, so I would like to pick his brain. Now, is he still alive? I don't know too much about this. No, no, no. He, he passed, um, gosh, I think decades ago at this point. Okay. Um, his son right now, his son, um, I forgot his first name, but his son is now King of Jordan. But he's all right. But, you know, his, his father, King Hussein, was the one I'm talking about. You know, it's it's fascinating to me that you brought up Jordan because a few weeks ago I had a guest on. His name is Garen Wade, and the episode is titled "The Adventures of Garen Wade." And he was adopted out of Sri Lanka by Southern Louisiana um, people who were raised very conservative, but broke through and became liberals and traveled around the world. And they adopted children from around the world. And he spent his his teenage years growing up in Jordan. And we spend a lot of the conversation talking about what it was like when he was living in Jordan and he went to school with the princess of Jordan. And so when you brought that up, I was like, oh, I have to tell him to listen to that podcast episode because, you know, it might, <laughs> you might enjoy that. So that I'll, I'll, I'll take a look at it. His, was name was, his name was Hussein bin Talal. Uh-huh. And his son, who's the current king, is King Abdullah, okay. the second of Jordan. Yeah, okay. so King Hussein, if people are Googling, that's the guy I'm talking about. The dad. The dad. Um, king Hussein. Yeah, what? he died in 1999. Oh, okay. All right. Um, yeah. I wonder if that's the, I wonder if that's the same one. I don't know. I'll have to investigate, but, but thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate you and Roger. Um, I was so crushing on Roger when we first started. That's why I was giggling so much because I just couldn't <laughs> believe it. Can you please tell all these lovely people who have listened to this podcast episode, how they can follow Roger and where they can find him on social media? Sure. Uh, you can follow uh, Roger Victor on uh, Facebook. If you just, just search at Captain Roger Victor. Uh, if you um, search on Twitter, Captain Roger Victor, you'll find him as well. Same thing on social, on uh, I keep calling it social media. I mean, um, Instagram. You can find us there as well, Captain Roger Victor. Or just Google Captain Roger Victor, Speedtape Airlines, you'll find us at the website, and that can point you in all the directions. Oh yeah, the website's awesome. You know, when I first, and thank you for sharing that information, ladies and gentlemen, follow him, he's hilarious. When I, um, when I was setting up this interview, I said, all right, I'm going to do the first half with Roger and then I'm going to do the second half with you. Um, and with Roger, I, you know, I was going to keep it fun and light and you know, he's a puppet, right? I was not going to get serious, but it, we got, we were talking about some serious stuff and he stayed in character and he answered the questions and 
I love that because on this podcast, I do tend to get a little personal sometimes because I'm nosy. And but he but he was just so you got you. You were you guys were both so great. So thank you for answering those questions as Roger and as yourself. So thank you so much. My pleasure. And again, thanks for thanks for having me. It was it was it's been fun. It really I mean it's been two hours so far. I didn't even notice that it's been two hours. I know. Uh, yeah. And great. And I and I'm not drinking. <laughs> well, I finished I finished my wine at the end of the Roger section. So I've been I've been just drinking water throughout this conversation. So but thank you so much, sir. And I hopefully can collaborate with Roger Victor one day. That'd be fun. Yes, a flight attendant Joe Captain Roger Victor special, which I think should be on the table somewhere. <laughs> I think it should. I will fly anywhere. I think it should have, have your people call his people. I'm going to have my cat call him. So, all right, thank there you, you so much, and I'll talk to you soon. All right, take care. Take care. You too, sir. Bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed this week's episode of Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe, please subscribe to the podcast. You'll get alerts when new episodes air. Also check out Flight Attendant Joe on Facebook and Instagram. And if you still haven't had enough of me, (laughs) check out the blog at www.flightattendantjoe.com.